Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. podcast special we're coming to you from the dinner here at the valley in the north stand lounge uh, my name is louis mendez joining me here at the valley are mr terry smith how do you tell evening i'm doing superbly you're looking you. very snazzy in your suit there snazzy it's a first yeah <laughs> 
Well, well yeah, jazzy. If <laughs> I was hoping. Know. I was sort of hoping for gorgeous. Two jazzy. Two jazzy. I was hoping for gorgeous. Snazzy yeah. will do. Snazzy. Uh, Lewis, Lewis, you're looking jazzy. Oh, very jazzy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm scared to get. Scared to know what you're going to get. Yeah. What you're going to say <laughs> when you get to them two? Yeah. Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, looking jazzy. Cheers, mate. Yeah, you feeling jazzy? I'm feeling really, really jazzy. <laughs> and uh, Tom, Tom, you're looking well as well. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but not quite jazzy. <laughs> so, uh, on, uh, on this evening's show, of course, you know, by the end of it, we will find out who is Charlton's Player of the Year for 2018-19. But of course, more importantly, we've got a chance to look ahead to the playoffs. The year once again, we find ourselves in that horrible situation. Something that you play for for 46 games you can't wait to get into the playoffs but now we're there you're kind of like oh god we've got to go through this horrible situation again so we're going to uh, talk about that of course we're going to find out who the player of the year is we're going to speak to them we're going to have plenty of exclusive interviews for you uh, on the podcast as well and of course we'll have a quick look back at yesterday's uh, uh, 4-0 win over Rochdale the, the the win that got us that position uh, that third place position finish uh, so we look forward to, to speaking about that of course uh, throughout the evening we'll hear um, we'll, we'll hear the speeches from from Lee Bowyer and hopefully as I say we'll have some exclusive interviews as well so something uh, we can look forward to so um, just before we we start to concentrate on the season as a whole and looking at the, uh, the, the the people we think might be player of the year looking at the nominations if you will um, yesterday the final game of the regular season Terry here at the Valley um, could have gone much better really could no, it no if you'd have written a script it would have been uh, that and then some wouldn't it mm. I think um, it's a strange one yesterday because you, you turn up thinking it's an end-of-season game. The likelihood of us getting third is slim. It's not, rem- you know, it's not impossible, but it's remote. Uh, so we sort of settled for playing either Portsmouth or Sunderland, and it's between them two. You turn up and you think, well, you know, Rochdale got nothing to play for. Have we got anything to play for? Probably not. Are we going to? Are we going to play that well because we're saving ourselves and, and players won't want to get injured? All that sort of thing in the build-up to the game. And then the game itself was completely different. I mean, and the atmosphere in the valley just... And I think that's what um, affected me more than, than anything else, is that it was such a surprise. The way we played, the way we scored, the way we beat them, the, the commitment of the players, even when we were 3-0 up, battling for every ball, fighting for every challenge, you know, uh, and the fans 100% behind the And as, as the afternoon went through and sudden, the sudden realisation that we could actually get third just put a whole different perspective on the day and it was just an amazing afternoon yeah it certainly was let's have a listen quickly to the highlights on valley pass of yesterday's goals the commentators are of course greg stubbley and terry smith back and across to pike who'd come short for it goes out to camps and across to Claire, but that's well read by rebo and he's picked his pocket and he's coming away with it a rebo ball across into the middle and lyle taylor edge of the penalty area lyle taylor can he make the most of it? No, the keeper comes out. Oh, he's spilled it to Parker. Parker back to Aribo. Shoots. Yes. Oh, what a finish. Joe Aribo with a quality finish. Rochdale is saying that uh, there was a foul in there by Taylor on the keeper. Referee's having none of it and Charlton have the lead. Oh, superb finish from Aribo, who's been the driving force of Charlton so far in this match. He's been bursting forward almost as a first try. To the right and Dick Steele, patient build-up from the addicts. Dick Steele, ball down the line to Taylor. Who holds it up, trying to beat his man? He's done so. Taylor, ball across, goal! It's gone to Andrew. Yeah. Is it? Yes, it's gone in. in. It has. It has. It's it an own goal? goal off Andrew. No Charlton player celebrated. It's all a little it's bit so strange. The it next didn't even bustle, goal. but it is an own goal from Andrew, I think. And belatedly, the, uh, <laughs> the Addicts crowd had caught up with it because uh, it was almost the ball came across. It was a lovely fizzed cross from Lyle Taylor, having made the. Uh, uh, the attempt himself by getting past his man on the right-hand side, 
drilling the ball across and everybody seemed to miss it. It was uh, Andrew up against Purrington behind him. Uh, and by the look of the reaction, I don't think Purrington got anything on it. And it's an Andrew's own it's goal Morgan, if that's the lovely, case. Lovely. Control from Alvin Morgan. Morgan drills it across yes. to Taylor. It's onside. Taylor runs through on goal. Lyle Taylor, can he make it free? Yes, yes he can! And Lyle Taylor has made it. Charlton free. Rochdale nil. A lovely assist from the youngster, Alvin Morgan, who set him clear. Taylor with a great run past his man to Laney, Through on goal and tucks it away for his 24th of the season. That's all about Albie, uh, Albie Morgan, that one. It's a good breakout from Charlton, from, uh, from defence. Albie Morgan on the left-hand side. What a superb ball. Timed it to perfection because both Josh Parker and Lyle Taylor both struggling to stay onside. Lyle Taylor it was who just timed his run perfectly to meet the ball in and then all it was a question then of getting in front of Delaney so he couldn't make the challenge in one-on-one with a keeper. Always going to score there, Lyle Taylor, and he finished it superbly. 3 0 Charlton. They're going to be pursued by Pike, but goes right to Dickstill. Dickstill infield to Billick. He's going to go Wilbur him on his tail, but still Billick has it. Oh, Ball brilliant. up to Morgan. Brilliant. Little one two with Billick in the area. Christopher Billick! Oh, what a finish! Brilliant. That is an outstanding goal by Christian Billick. He started it himself. Lovely one-twos across the pitch. The ball into him, the final one by Albie Morgan, into his stride. He didn't have to break it, and he buried the ball in the right-hand corner past Lillis to put Charlton 4-0 up. That is one of the goals of the season for me, from start to finish with that move. Patient build-up, lovely one-touch football. The movement, the way Bauer came out of defence, passing out to the right to Dickstill. Dickstill back into Billy, who just beat Wilbraham. Just took it forward, found Morgan, got it back. Lovely finish past the goalkeeper. An absolutely superb goal. And if that's the goal that takes chance of third, then my lord, that's well deserved. So there we go, the highlights of yesterday's uh, 4-0 win over Rochdale, which of course coupled with the fact that uh, Sunderland were beaten away at South End and Portsmouth could only draw at home with Accrington Stanley. That means we do take that third position, uh, Lewis. I mean, inside the ground. I mean, that, that was just the, the way the afternoon went and us slotting into that, that third position and getting the favourable home draw second. I mean, everything just seemed to come together and you saw the way the fans were reacting with the players and, and the manager after as well. It was just, it's, it's just another one of those feel-good afternoons that we've had here at the Valley recently. No, definitely. It was an incredible feeling. I mean, especially up, up in the north, up yesterday, it was absolutely rocking. Uh, it, was, it was just so loud. And it's, it's an amazing feeling, isn't it? You know, at the end of the game, when, where Boya was addressing the crowd and everything, just the the rallying cry and the the amount of people that get behind that and the and just the feel good factor around the place at the moment, despite everything that's going on, is it's incredible. And it's just, it's just hats off to Bows and Jacko and everything. The job they're doing is is amazing, and it's an exciting time to be a Charlton fan again. And I'm just I'm just so proud of him. Yesterday, I'd, I'd have taken fourth when we were sitting in fourth yesterday. I felt I felt comfortable with that. I know some of them wouldn't have been the ideal draw, maybe over two legs, but to sneak into third and it just shows how well we've done this season how far we've come I mean, at the start of the season when we could only field five subs against Sunderland up at the stadium alike or worrying about if we'd even stay in the division let alone come the end of the season topple Sunderland and finish above them uh, and it's, a, it's an absolute it's a masterclass by Bayer and the guys I'm really proud yeah my bet on Charlton to get relegated at the start of the season is that <laughs> officially was, it was officially came out as a loss yesterday on, on the Sky oh. bet out finally so there you go thank God um, everyone talks about momentum Naif going into playoffs you could argue we had a bit of momentum last season of course we'd won what six of the last ten 
uh, although we had lost at Rochdale on the final day, didn't help us then, and, and Shrewsbury didn't have momentum going into those playoffs, didn't help us then. Is it going to be different this time? Because, I mean, everyone you speak to, every fan on Twitter, it would seem, is fearing coming up against the Charlton side who are in absolutely incredible form. Yeah, I think, I think it was a stat. We've only considered like four in our we're top of the league in terms of form. We've seven clean sheets in the yeah. last nine games. So, I mean, it, it, it certainly helps in terms of momentum, um, obviously going into the players. I think we're better, uh, more better equipped than we were last year. I think we seem a lot more sharper. And, but both said it yesterday, anything can happen in the game. Like Someone could get set on in the first minute and it can change the game. But we're going in there in a, in a good place. Uh, physically and obviously mentally, so we can take it into um, into the games against Donny, um, and hopefully we can get a, a decent decent result up there and take it back here to the Valley on the Friday. Mm. I mean the way the way we played yesterday, Tom. I mean I, I can't imagine many oppositions would have been able to to stick up to you know to put up with us. You know, it's a Rochdale side who, of course, who, who were in relegation trouble for the majority of the season. But don't forget. I mean, also conceded the most amount of goals in the season, but they had really stemmed that flow recently. So this is a team that hasn't been conceding many goals recently, and we went and, and we, we we should have probably, if we're being honest, had a, had six, seven, eight goals yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we could easily have won that six 0 on it, and it wouldn't have been a surprise based on the performance. And you have to temper that with the fact that Rochdale weren't really playing for anything yesterday. Um, but you know, you, you can't knock how our players performed. And Terry said it right at the start. The way we were pressing them, the way we were hassling, getting the ball back, none of those players were worrying or, you know, trying to hide away or protecting themselves from injury. You had Cullen and Bielik in the middle throwing themselves into challenges and winning the ball back. And we were playing at a high, high tempo. And yes, we've got a week until the next game, but it would have been very easy to just accept fifth or si- uh, sorry, fifth play out and just get on with it but we didn't and um, yeah huge credit to them and it sets us up well for the, the next two games excellent stuff so as you can hear in the background the uh, dinner guests are arriving Ian I think it is up there just uh, giving a couple of announcements so we'll break off for a bit just while they do the uh, the welcomes uh, and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll start chatting more about the playoffs that are coming up next week Charlton Live Table 14 on your feet please wherever you are Table 14 and let's have a big hand for Joe Rebo. And now it's table number 11. Table number 11 for So there we go, we just heard the players being introduced here. Uh, two crossbars, are they sitting down now? Everyone's about to eat their dinner. I think the uh, the serving crew to our right-hand side just about to bring out the uh, procession of food to the tables. So uh, whilst everyone is enjoying their food and we have to sit here enviously staring at it, let's uh, carry on with looking back at, at yesterday's game in, in particular as well. Um, Lewis, by the time we went 1-0 up, um, through, through Joe Rebo, we could have easily been two or three up at that time already. I mean, Rebo had had a, a couple of chances. I think Taylor had had a shot from distance. I mean, it's starting to show now that we are we are really starting to dominate, especially here at home, of course, where we're we're unbeaten in seven months. Like, no, Doncaster are not going to look forward to having to come here, are they? 
No, and I, I don't think any side would have either if, if we'd have if we'd have ended up with Sunderland or Pompey. I think we're so comfortable in possession now, um, and we create so many chances. And this season, I feel like we've had that attacking threat that we haven't had for a, for a while. You know, starting out the season with Carlin and with and with Lyle, and then uh, Igor coming in as well, and Joe Aribo chipping in with more goals this season. I think we've just got that creative edge, and we're being a lot more clinical this season. You know, that's two two home four nils on the spin, which sets you in good step for the playoffs, doesn't it? Mm. So yeah, I mean, Bowie talked about how we were going to start to put away teams. You know, by, by three or four goals, he said, and, and we've done that a couple of times in the last um, couple of weeks. And important as well that we are seeing those midfielders getting in with the goals. Obviously, we saw Arivo on the score sheet yesterday. We also saw uh, Christian Bilic as well. Um, now, if you know, Arivo's got nine for the season. I mean, that, that's par for a, a midfielder. That's what we're hoping for. But he, he's the only one really who, who's um, got that many. So, if if we are to say there's one thing this season that could have improved, it probably would have been more goals from midfield, but you can't obviously say that about Joe Rebo. Yeah, no, I mean, he's obviously got, what, nine goals and, what, nine assists now, eight assists or something, so he's obviously going going forward. I know we was probably expecting a little bit more from from Johnny Williams in terms of the final third, but, and the, you know, and that was what the worry for me was, was when Carlin left, is people had to start stepping up, and like you say, you know, Billick's had a couple, obviously Josh got his first one against Gillingham, um, and it's, it's about time they need to step up because it takes that little bit of pressure off of Lyle as well because even though we know Lyle will score if he's given an opportunity nine times out of ten but if we're going to really maintain that and make you know make a good progress in these playoffs you know sometimes like if Lyle does have an off day which it can happen to any footballer then you're going to need people to step up and you know against Scunthorpe and um, obviously yesterday uh, with the midfielders stepping up and scoring it's, it's obviously a good thing mm. and of course um Lowe, as you say, he, he got in. He got in on the app with the third goal. The second goal, he he set it up as well. I, I, ben Perrington uh, didn't even try and claim it was an own goal from a former Crystal Palace player, which is nice. So we've had former <laughs> Millwall player John Marquis score an own goal already this season. Now former Palace one. If John Marquis can repeat the trick in the next couple of weeks, that'll be uh, quite nice as well. Um, so I say, I mean, let, let's talk about the build-up play for for the third goal as well. I mean, that'll be Morgan. Uh, he sat not too far away from us actually but so we, we best be nice but it's easy to be nice because I mean he obviously with the age he is what 18 19 he's not going to be expected to start games too often but every time he's been called upon I mean he really really looks like one for the future doesn't he because he, he's got a level of class about him on the ball and that vision for that pass with for Lyle Taylor yesterday I mean admittedly Taylor had done well to peel away to the right-hand side and put himself in space, but he still had to pick that pass, and it could not have been measured more perfectly by Albie Morgan. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant, and I'm sure we'll talk about the season as a whole and particularly the the younger players as a whole a bit later on, but I think Lapsley and uh, and Albie, they kind of come as a pair, and I think that the pair of them have been fantastic this year, and they offer us something very different from each other. You've got the, the tenacity and the, the work rate of Lapsley, but what Morgan does, I think, and it's very early days for him but he seems to have so much time on the ball when he gets it he's got that quality that, that some of the really top players have where they just don't look phased at all Naby has it a little bit at the back where he gets the ball and you just think he's got so much time to decide what he wants to do and he gets himself in the right positions and you're right he didn't have uh, he just had that one ball and he had to get it spot on for Lyle and he split the defence with just one like one killer pass and as soon as Lyle gets it in that position you know he's going to go through and finish it off but I said on, on Thursday's show, you know, we wanted to give people like him, like Lapsley, a run out because uh, we might need them in the playoffs. And, and as you say, they're probably not first choice this season, but that's something they're working towards. And he might not even be first choice next season. But if he's getting 
15 games maybe throughout the season and that's that's impressive for someone his age particularly as it's going to be hopefully a step up next year and uh, yeah I was I was really impressed with him yesterday but I think there's a lot more to come from them both yeah certainly and the, the fourth goal like we said Billick involved is a lovely little build up play again so Morgan good. so he got, he got two uh, two assists there but it's just the, the slickness of that play Lewis to, to, to find the, the, the space for Billick and you know it's, I mean, you look at that finish it was a really cultured finish it's easy to forget that he is actually a defensively minded player but in terms of a defensive midfielder I can't remember for quite a long time a player in that position who looks so comfortable going forward as well because his passing his range of passing is really quite something special Oh he's incredible and we, you know, we've spoken before when we look back at the the game up at Rochdale uh, back in October where he had a bit of a wobble and Boya pulled him off at half time and we thought it probably wasn't one of his better games in that role and, and since then he's made it his own and you know he looks he just looks so comfortable on the ball he's so calm I feel like out of possession as well he's brilliant anyone charging towards him I'd feel confident that nine times out of ten he's going to win the ball off them and as you say there the, the finish on the goal was brilliant it's the second of the season isn't it he got the header up at his first one at the Valley which is, uh, which, yeah. is nice, yeah. which is nice as well and in front of the covered end um, you know, he's one of many lone players we've had this season the likes of Josh Cullen um, you know um, Purrington Purrington as well yeah, but, but people who have put their, their heart and sleeve into it the, the heart the Worn their heart on their sleeves. There we go. There go. Drunk on excitement for the playoffs. That's my problem. But you know, but lone players. We've we've had lone players before who perhaps haven't hit the heights uh, that you'd expect, and maybe they they wouldn't care as much. But you can't. I don't think you can say that about any of our any of our lone. And even like we're talking about Chris Maxwell, who's sat on the on the table nearest to us. I mean, it must be horrible for him to to come here and not play. But he's still being part of the team and coming to this evening and sitting with the fans and chatting you know, it's a team effort and everyone's bought into that mentality that Bayer's that Bayer's put together yeah and I think that's and I think that's why we've we've done a lot uh, you know done so well on the pitch I think a lot of people might not see obviously the what happens on the training ground but it seems to be a real good team ethic and um, and obviously that will bode you well because I mean everyone will work hard for each other it's not I mean, yeah, you, you have individual qualities, but if you don't have any team ethic or teamwork, you're never going to get anywhere. Someone will always come cover someone if they're out of trouble. And um, But, I mean, yeah, like even like you said about loan players, <laughs> we've got such a professional bunch that they always put their heart like their heart and soul in it, like you was going to say. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but it's like even the, the loan... The thing is for me this year, I think with the loan players that we've got in is... They're lone players that we lacked last year. So Billick, for example, last season we lacked that bit of bite in that middle. And I think that's where we fell short in terms of the playoff. And Bozers and Gallon and, and the rest of the backroom team have really pinpointed where we were weak and strengthening those areas. Um, and I mean, if, if, you, if you look at look at Jake, if Jake comes back to fitness and you've got Jake and Cullen in a six de- in a eighteen rather or whatever it is, that's, it's good going. So and it, you know. All the lone players have all put a shift in whether they played, you know, even Parker to an extent. Yeah, he's, he's not hit the ground running, but he looked a bit more promising yesterday, I, I heard. So, yeah, so it's all looking promising. You need to keep that team effort, especially going to teams like Donny away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so you, you mentioned Josh Parker there, so I'll bring him up now, Tom. Um, you know, he hasn't had game time. That, that's number one that we have to put down. He has, he's barely played, so you have to remember that's the situation he is. Yesterday was his first start in a long time, if I can remember rightly, or certainly the first time yeah. that he's played 90 minutes. Um, it goes without saying that he missed a sitter. Um, he had a few poor touches, but he didn't hide, and he did create. He, he did. He was there for those chances to miss, and, and by the end of it, he was coming closer. He had that lovely flick that only just went a little bit wide. He had a couple of shots that went over. He had one that was blocked on the line, which was going in in the first half, and 
you know, Eagle's out now. He's out. He was out yesterday. Boya says he hopes to have him back for the playoffs, but hopes is not I will. So, mm. I mean, we won't find out until Sunday. But if he is out and we have to call upon Parker, unless Bowie's going to change his formation, I mean, Parker's going to have to play a big part. And work rate rise, we've seen what we need to. Obviously, now we're praying that with a few more minutes, then something's going to kick in for him. Yeah, and I think it's very clear to me that he's very low on confidence. I don't think he really believes in himself to be able to f perform to the level that this team are. But what he's got to remember is that everyone here is willing him to do well. And it's not the same Chartner two years ago where loanies were coming in and we didn't necessarily want them to fail, but it was so toxic that when a player did fail, you were almost, you found it funny or, you know, we kind of just dealt with it. But here, everyone's willing Parker to do well. You could feel it in the ground yesterday, the, the frustration and the, the disappointment when he was missing chances because everyone really wanted him to score. And I'm a bit torn because he came on, I think maybe the first game after we'd signed him and, and he did okay. As, you know, he looked a little bit lively. And then since then, like you say, he just hasn't had the game time and, he might have to now um, and yeah he, he did he worked hard and that's the important thing I, I'm wary of being too nice to him because we haven't really got time to be nice to players now we need players to hit the ground running and we're going to need goals from him because like you've all said earlier we've, we've got Arebo we've got Lyle apart from that we haven't had goals from a lot of places and Josh Parker's a striker he's there to score goals and the work rate was good. He did get himself in the right positions, but ultimately he missed a couple of sitters. And if we're away at Doncaster next week and he misses a sitter and it's nil-nil, crowd might not be so kind to him. So I'm pleased he's working hard. And, and like I say, I really, really hope it happens for him because, you know, I, I obviously want him to do well as, as a Charlton player while he's here. But it was just really frustrating yesterday. But as I say, the, at the moment, the crowd are with him and want him to do well. And if he has to play Sunday, then obviously I hope he, he gets a chance early on and takes it. Yeah, well, there's a bit, there's, there was a bit of a sarcastic song, which I think at one point Lyle Taylor sort of reacted to trying to get the fans to stop, which was if Parker scores, uh, we're on the pitch. Which is, It's obviously well, it's quite a funny song. If we're, if, if we're being realistic, <laughs> it's the sort of thing that is football terrorist humour. And I, I could see why it was funny, but at the same time, I could see why Taylor wants it to stop. So it's a but weird one. And if we are to rely on him, then we need him to, to, to find that level and to find that confidence. Again, I, I get, obviously, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, that song, but it's not like, I don't know, you pick like a Mackinac or somebody like that. If you were singing it about them, there'd almost be a bit of malice to it. And I think yesterday it was, of course, we had the benefit of being 3-0 up, being secure in the playoffs, but... I like to think that although it was slightly taking the mick out of him, I, I think the, the will behind it was positive and people want him to succeed and hopefully that will carry him through because as I say, he is a player who looks like he doesn't quite believe that he's up to this level unfortunately but as I say, he's potentially got a game or two left to prove himself and I just hope if he does, then he can. So if Igor is out, Naif, um, so Saboya said yesterday it was he tightened his hamstring during training on Thursday they decided not to take the risk with him uh, one of my spies, uh, the same person who spied that Carlin wasn't training a couple of days before he left, uh, told me that Eagle wasn't training on Friday. So I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. Guy called Phil, and I've got a tweet from him in a minute. But um, Bowyer's saying he hopes to have him back for the playoffs. If we, if he isn't back, because we, we don't know really, we hope. But if he isn't, does that, I mean, does that put a massive dent into our hopes? I mean, we have played 4-3-3 recently with Taylor and Williams and Reeves, for example. So there are other options there. Or indeed, including playing Parker alongside Taylor as well. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it'd be a massive dent um, to the playoff hopes. I think it'd be a, a dent to Igor, obviously, because I think he's only just started he's got getting... a lot of dents in him, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not as many Felix and he's uh, Ghoulies, but yeah. but uh, yeah, no, I think it's more of a dent to Igor than anything else because he started getting back, you know, ever since he scored against Luton or even the, you know, the performance before that, he seems to have sort of grown and grown, but it'll be disappointing, don't get me wrong. Um, I agree with Tom. I don't... I just think... I think a lot of things can happen behind the scene, especially in confidence issues. You know, he might just be low on confidence. And listen, if you look at Steve Gallen's record of what he's brought in, he, yeah, it maybe it was a bit of a not a panic buy, but we had to get someone in. But I don't think Steve would have brought him in if it makes the squad weaker or it doesn't make it something. We d- remember we didn't have that sort of physical presence. I know Lyle can hold the ball, but we didn't have that sort of type of player who can. If you've got to go a bit more direct and get in the channel, so yeah, it'll be it'll be disappointing for me because obviously I'm a big fan of Igor. Um, but I mean, when I see him walking in early, it didn't seem to be hobbling. But um, listen, all we can do is hope that he is fit. Um, but yeah, we can we can change it up, like you say. We can play the three out wide. I mean, you can do split forwards, which he's done a couple of fi- uh, times when Lyle drags out wide, and it gives more space to sort of players like Rebo to drive into. So it gives centre half something to think about. So. I wouldn't be too disheartened. I wouldn't think it's, you know, our playoffs are over. Of course I wouldn't. But, yeah, I'd be more disappointed for Igor because he's worked so hard to get back to where he is and it's he's just hit another stumbling block. So, of course, we were, we were in that luxurious position yesterday of being 4-0 up as, as the game was coming to an end and that's, that's when the likes of, of Taylor and Aribo were, were substituted. We, we did we had similar last year at Rochdale, I think, like, I think Jake Forster-Kasky came off after an hour or something last year. You're able to, you just don't take the risk, but you did leave it a little bit later this year. Obviously, it's quite a different scenario in terms of the playoffs this year, in terms of that, the first game is next Sunday, the first leg. By this, that time last year, that was the day of the second leg, so we had to play twice within four days. We played Thursday, Sunday. So the fact that it's more of a almost a week between each game I mean it's, it's going to benefit everyone but that's certainly more useful to us who have actually got a, a squad that at times has carried a few knocks and been quite small yeah exactly and we, we all know that we can be a little bit fragile when it comes to injuries and knocks so the extra rest up will be will do the players a world of good um, we were lucky yesterday that Rochdale didn't really pose much of a threat I think they're probably one of the worst footballing sides I've ever seen um, you compare them to the Rochdale we saw last year but obviously they need to stay in the division so it was a completely different game this time um, I, there wasn't a huge amount of a challenge yesterday I don't think the, the players were too physically strained or anything yesterday I think it was it was a bit of an easy game a bit of a walk in the park so I, the week obviously always benefits us gives the guys you know a chance to get in and you know re-energise ready for a big week for the club and the turnaround's a lot better this time I, I feel a lot more confident this year than I did last year with the turnaround as well because I just feel like last year there was such a you know such a push to get into the playoffs last minute now we've sort of known we were there and thereabouts for quite a long time so we've not not so much taken our foot off of the gas but we've we've been able to sort of the pressure's been off a little bit more and we've we've you know credit to the guys and to Bows we've we've come out of it you know we've we've lost to lost to Oxford but apart from that a fairly positive uh, league form yeah, of course. And um, Lee Bayer gave a, a speech on the pitch afterwards as well. Uh, another rousing speech. We heard a clip of it there at, at the start of the show. Um, you know, he, he knows how to G 
the, the players up. Um, I mean, obviously you can't forget that he gave a sim. He would have given a similar speech at the Player of the Year dinner last year, where he said, you know, we'll, we'll be ready for Thursday. And it didn't, t- you know, on the pitch in the end, it didn't really turn out that way. We started off brightly in the first leg against Shrewsbury, but we never found the goal, and, and, th- and then we got done. Um, so obviously you'd be wary of of getting caught up in the moment as such but it was it was a good speech and you know, it, it, it also showed the togetherness between the supporters and of course the the men on the pitch and on the sidelines because it's it, it's easy to forget and any time I get asked to do something on Radio London where I speak to someone who's not here every week like I am there's a you get there's an inkling from some people who don't quite know the situation who, who look from the outside and think but things seem okay and, and, mm. and people who ask mm. questions that suggest that oh is everything okay now and then you have to explain well no if you look at what's happening what could be happening next season and all this and you look at the fact that actually this has all happened on the back of not a single penny being spent on transfer fees um, it's, it's easy to remember that what's going on on the pitch is very different to what's going off the off the yeah. pitch which in a way makes what's going on on the pitch even more quite spectacular yeah 100% agree with that and um, and, and what Boya's done with the the stuff that you can't measure that that relationship with the fans the the way he's got the fans on side the atmosphere at the valley or, or at away games on a match day that's a, a lot of that not all of it but a lot of that is down to him the fact that we're taking such large numbers away from home the fact that the, the crowds are so loud and behind the team he has garnered that team spirit and you talk about those playoffs last year it, we're just such a completely different side to what we were last year and you forget, you're completely right, when people from the outside ask you about it, you, you forget everything that's going on off the pitch this year because of what's going on on the pitch. And last year we broke into those playoffs. I still felt like Roland was hanging over us. And this year it's almost like, of course he is still there, but we're almost going, do you know what, let's park that and think about that when we have to because right now we feel like we're on the crest of a wave. And last year I didn't feel that that was the case. I felt like we were just starting to burn out when we hit the playoffs. This year I feel like we we're just about peaking we've scored what 10 goals in our last three home games like we are absolutely smashing it at the moment and and that's all down to Boyer and as I say that that connection between fans and players and the the management staff and the atmosphere at games that hasn't been like that that I can remember probably since Powell Um, and Boyer deserves a huge amount of credit for that yeah, you say you're going to try and uh, park the off-the-field issues and think about it when you have to, but trust me, we'll be thinking about it on tonight's show because uh-huh. it's, it's hard to separate the two, of course, and we will, and we will come on to that uh, later. But now let, let's, let's still concentrate on the field of play. Let's have a look at the playoff situation now because I'm fascinated by stats and, and that sort of stuff and, and everyone going into a playoff, uh, you know, a playoff campaign, will, all, everyone tries to pick the form team obviously that's us we are the form team uh, after six games with the form team after eight games with the form team after 12 games any form table I could find we are right at the top of it the only way we're not at the very top is if you do away games over the last four I think in which case we're about third uh, because because we're 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 just uh, we still won three of them though, yeah right? I that think was yeah, only the Oxford <laughs> game yeah, it's, just, it's just bizarre that even even with away games like we it's just Oxford has let us down so we are the form team. Now, if you look at the teams that we may play, so Doncaster, so I'm only looking at the, the form team for the last six games. Doncaster are eighth because they've won three, but they've lost two in that time. You're looking at Ports- Portsmouth for a team who've done well. They're, they're, they're fourth in it. They've won three, uh, drawn two and lost one. So if you're looking at, at Doncaster, they've just got um, one more point than them. Sunderland. Now, this is the, now, if we had drawn Sunderland logistically, it would have been really difficult if we'd played there on a Saturday night because of the Heineken Cup final in Newcastle the same day. It would have been a real hassle. But at the same time, if you had to 
pluck a team out of that four to play. You'd look at that Sunderland team who, in the last six form table, they're 18th. Mm. I mean, their form has been absolutely disgusting. And if you look at their forums, they were terrified of possibly playing us because we are the team at the top. Now, if if you could have picked, would that be the one you would have picked or would you have been scared of the 45,000 yeah. Mackhams that we would have had to face? Yeah, for me, it, it, that would have been... Because I think, even though, yeah, their form's out the window, you know, form does go out the window and play us. You look at the players they've got, they've still got Grigg, they've still got McGee, who I still think is the best player in this division. Um, I think on their day with 45, it's... it's it, it's like a clean slate. Playoffs are a clean slate. Forget the form. It doesn't count for anything. It doesn't matter how many points you get. We've seen it meant over the years that form doesn't really play into effect. You don't get an extra point or an extra goal if you go into a form. Um, I would have tried, wanted to avoid, obviously, logistically and for the, the fans and, and the players that they have got. I mean, defensively, they can be seen wanting uh, for sure. But, yeah, I think, I think we're in a good position where we are and... Um, but yeah, I would definitely want to avoid Sunderland. So yeah. yeah, so of course, I mean Sunderland are, like we say, they're, they're not in form, but they are a massive side in this division. And, and, mm. and that's something you can't say about Doncaster Rapers. I mean, mm. I mean, we were there back in March, I think it was, when they had that, that last minute goal ruled out. Mm. It, it's not, it's, it wasn't the scariest atmosphere I've ever been in, if that's one way. Of, I mean, there's, there's no way that Lee Bowyer's side would be worried by, by an atmosphere at the Keep Moat Stadium, with all due respect. Nah. Well, by the sounds of it, we're going to take as many fans as they've got in the home end anyway. Isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah. And judging on the the, uh, the turnout that we had there in uh, in March, we we were the louder side, with the louder club. You know, we've uh, there's no disrespect to Doncaster because they've obviously been up there for a reason, and they've they've got dangerous players as well. I was really impressed with Malik Wilts when we played them, and John Marquise has obviously um, scored a lot of goals this season. But I agree with Nath. You know, with logistically, obviously, with Sunderland, but also. The form does go out the window, and also, and with the um, the the crowd there, you know, they've at the moment, judging by forums, they are they're on their back, aren't they? The Sunderland yeah. players have, have really got to up it because they've got forty five thousand players, at, you know, forty five thousand fans at the stadium, alike on their back at the moment. So it'd be interesting, but I think the way it's planned out for us is great. You know, we can, I I think it would have been difficult facing one of Sunderland and Portsmouth in a semi, and if we do scrape past them, then having the having to face one of them in a final you know that's what I think we would have it would have been quite a big ask yeah. but in terms of form we are up there but it's, it'll be really interesting I'm trying not to get too excited <laughs> because judging on past playoff experiences that I've been involved in it's not been amazing so yeah of course um, I mean, the, the other option that could have been other than Doncaster and Sunderland is Portsmouth um, the, the team other than us who are in, in decent nick but even in their last six they, they won three Drawn two and lost one, so no, no one comes close to us. We're five and one in that. Five, one, one, five, lost one in that, and that, of course, was that that Oxford game, which on another day we, we might have got more yeah. from. But Portsmouth, are, are you glad to have avoided Portsmouth so far? Yeah, yeah, for the same reason as Sunderland, really. I just think if you ignore form, and, and I know we're we're talking about how good form we are, and we should take that confidence, but going down to Fratton Park or up to Stadium Alight is not easy. And yes, we've won down there a couple of times recently, but. That doesn't mean you're going to win there again, and those fans are going to be so up for it. I just think that would have scared me, and I, and I'm not here saying Doncaster's going to be easy and we're going to walk it because that's not the case by any stretch. They've got some good players, like Lewis just said, but I just think those two they are big, big teams, and I just I don't know. I'd be more nervous if it was them. But having said that, I, I'm pretty nervous now. Um, 
it's the playoffs you know it's it's a cliche but literally anything could happen in any of those games I think the, the way we've got to try and look at it again like Lewis said is we're taking potentially taking up to 4,000 almost 4,000 people there that's as close as we're going to get to a home atmosphere as at an away game and you look at Pompey or Sunderland we wouldn't have had that chance to do that so that's that's the chance to kind of play their stadium in our favour if you like and I think out of the three teams Doncaster's the only one that gives us that opportunity mm. In terms of you know what we suffered last season you know it's, you can't forget that we were in the playoffs last year we, we, we lost our home to Shrewsbury you know Shrewsbury team that had you know their specific tactics they, they played well all season until until perhaps they tailed off towards the end and we'd beaten them mm. a couple of weeks before hadn't we in, in our, in our yeah. late dash towards the playoffs but you know they reverted to their, their early season form when uh, when we got to the playoffs and it was such a disappointment. I mean, do you think, Nath, that there's things that, that Bayou will look at from last year and, and maybe try and do differently? What, what could uh, he do differently? Or, or will he look at his Arsenal now, yeah. not, not Arsenal in well, I think, league, I think his Arsenal of players? Yeah, I, th- well, I think first and foremost, he, he, de- he addressed that situation in the summer by bringing in the likes, like I said earlier, the likes of Billick and Cullen had a bit more bit of a so- more solid base in, in that middle of the park so I thought we got overpowered by a lot of teams last year and also if you look at last season we did make a sort of late surge so to speak but you know we did you know we played, we had McGuinness up front we've now got Lyle Taylor you know we've got different players and better players uh, that can obviously hurt teams a lot more and um, but listen Shrewsbury you know they, they did tail off but they were at the top of that league for a long long while and um, and I just thought we we run out of steam towards it, like Tom touched on her. We ran out of steam because we made so much of an effort to get there. When it come, when push come to shove to do it, we just couldn't get over that final hurdle because of the the players we got. But I think we got a better squad uh, by far. And um, but yeah, I think in terms of the actual day, I think. But you know, Bo is still young. He's probably still will take some things that he might learn. It might be in terms of preparation. It might be you know what where he takes the players, what they do, how much they train. Um, but they look at that in minute detail, and um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I definitely think we're well prepared in in, in going into these these two games against Donny. I don't know if it's just me, but I just feel like it's 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 hard to explain because obviously we don't have Carl and Grant anymore. But even when he was here, the, the last two months, I feel like we're so better. This is the best football we've played all season, and I don't know if it's because in a way we were chasing the top two, but not. Not really sure we were going to get there. So in a way, the pressure was off. But we, we play with such freedom now and we look so good. And Aribo, for me, has improved again. Uh, Taylor, has you know, he had that setback where he was suspended. Obviously, he lost his mate in Carlin. He's come back and he's just as good, if not better. You know, Johnny Williams coming in adds a different option. Igor Vettikele, if he's fit, obviously was good which made a change mm. I mean because we, we, we out, you know we, we hadn't seen that from him you know yeah. every, everything just feels like is coming together at the right time which is in a way is probably going to mean it hurts more when we, when we get knocked <laughs> out at some point but I mean, it, it, it's, without getting carried away I, I'm certain we're a better team now than when we played at Sunderland 100% I think we are and it's just again like I've touched on earlier it's a credit to the, the hard work that everybody's everybody's putting over the season and as you say there as well with with Lyle, I can't imagine it wasn't very easy for him losing his strike partner in January and being suspended for the long time after that. We came through that period. We've come through it stronger. Igor Vettikeli's worked hard and tirelessly to try and get back to the form that he had when he first came in, and he's shown glimpses of it, You know, more than glimpses of it. Some of his goals that he scored over the last couple of weeks have been 
the old Igor Vettikeli that we that we're used to seeing and it's just there's there is a real good feel good factor around the place and it's so it's so difficult to not get overexcited because why wouldn't you when you when your football club's doing so well against all the obstacles and against all the hurdles it's something that everybody should be really proud of and I'm really looking forward to the next couple of games my nerves are going to be shot to pieces but I can't wait can't wait I think you know? I, I think tactically I think since Carlin's gone um, I think when we were playing him we were he was obviously moving the channels a bit more. We were going a little bit more direct, especially with long, like quick balls from Jed Steer at the time. But I think since he's gone, we've had to we've had to change the way we play. I mean, Igor's having to come in. A lot more balls are going to feet. We're going to have to try and be that little bit cuter in our passing, which I thought we we did have at the start of the season. Don't get me wrong, but I think now we're having to work that little bit yeah. differently and try and thinking out the box a little bit more. And I think. With the likes of the, you know, the Cullens and the Williams and the Arebos, it's given them a platform to get on the ball a lot more instead of just going, well, we can go in the channel here. If Carlin's on his toes, we can go. Um, so I think definitely, we've definitely changed the way. And like you said earlier, Lou, like, we've definitely, this is the best we've played football-wise on the pitch. Yeah. I remember when, uh, when we came to a women's game here at the Valley, uh, when they beat Millwall, um, Lee, Bowyer, Lee Bowyer was here as well. And uh, at half-time, we were in... Uh, in, in, in the Millennium Lounge just uh, mm. getting warm basically because of the freezing yeah. cold night and both both came up and spoke to spoke to Terry and us and, and, and he was telling us about how Williams in particular was almost a replacement for Carlin's running because yeah. he can do it with the ball as well and, and it, it, it's just interesting to see how you know, he, he loved the way that we could play a bit direct with the ball and stretch teams and he saw when, when, when Carlin went then he had to try and a new way to do that and of course in Johnny Williams he found a player who did that but even then we, we've, we've done without him recently mm. he played brilliantly with Gillingham didn't he really stretched him but of course he wasn't there yesterday and, and uh, we changed to finding space with Albie Morgan's range of passing which was, which was something else uh, as well but we had a, we had a message uh, that came in from Phil uh, hi guys a perfect end to a near perfect season uh, we fully deserve our third place congratulations to Boyer and the team how they've achieved this with an owner who only cares for 2% with no strategic plan in place is miraculous anyone who has been supporting the club for a long time and he says he's been supporting for 43 years uh, can see that we are teetering on a cliff edge if Duchatelet is here much longer so let's enjoy things while they last and he says thank you uh, to Lee and to Johnny so I mean Tom, you said you didn't want to have to think about it, but we, we do have to think about it. I mean, it's, I'm reminded of the fact that I bet on us to get relegated at the start of the season. So I'm reminded of the fact that maybe sometimes I get caught up in how bad things are going to be. But there is a huge worry about the fact that Lee Bayer, as it stands, hasn't signed a new contract. Half the players in this room have not signed a new contract. There's uh, not many fans that come here. If we don't go up this season... And at the very least, get some of that TV money. Who knows what Duchatelet would do that with that anyway. Yeah. But we don't know what on earth the shape of this team is going to be next year. Steve Gallen said at the fans forum a couple of months ago that we'd be looking into League Two for players. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'd be signing bad players because Steve Gallen can pick up players anywhere, it would seem. And Lee Bowyer obviously has got a good eye as well. But no, no, nothing that you hear at the moment sounds too positive. I mean, there's no real sign that a takeover is in the offing no matter what Roland says or what uh, Levin de Turk says who's uh, I don't think he's here this evening actually I'm not sure but probably <laughs> worth <working laughs> the takeover yeah, yeah. But, um, busy yeah so I mean is it is it do or die this playoff uh, am I putting too much on it but if we're still in this division next year with the likes of Arebo will he sign a contract I'm guessing no 
because there'll be better offers with the likes of loads of these players and with the likes of course Lee Boyer not signing a contract I mean are we teetering on the edge like Phil said there? I don't think it's do or die because I think even if we get to the championship there's no saying that Duchatelet's offering the likes of Boyer a contract anyway so I don't think necessarily it's it do or die. It could be do and die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could be that we go up and these players still leave because they're just genuinely not off a contract. So I think what I'm trying to do by trying to forget it is just, obviously you don't want to just work on a season-by-season season basis because you support a club for a lot longer than one season. But we've been starved of success just in a general season for so long that it would just be nice to just kind of bookend this season and kind of put that away as what what a brilliant year because this is the funnest year I've had supporting Charlton for years that you've all said about the football I think it's the best football I've ever seen us play when I've been coming here on a regular basis since I was eight years old so there's so much positivity here and you're right there there is a huge amount of uncertainty just around the corner I'm I'm trying to avoid that because it, it's just so positive at the moment but when that summer comes, you know, you can't avoid it forever. And we are going to get to a summer where we potentially have no manager. And I think we worked it out on one of the Thursday shows the other night. We would have a squad of about eight players if everybody out of contract leaves. So we are we're in massive trouble if the takeover doesn't happen, which is uh, it's not really a big if. It's a, pretty much it's, it's not happening at the moment. And that is a huge concern. But am I going to be worrying about that at the full time at Wembley if we've won? Absolutely not. I'm going to worry about it through the summer. But... It is something we're going to have to think about. And un unless Duchatelet pulls his finger out and, and actually starts sorting some things, it's a huge concern going into next year. And, you know, you look further afield, it would, would it undo this work? No, because you've still got the memories from this season. But again, it would just set us back and it would just be a, it would feel like it was a huge waste because there's a huge opportunity here with the culture and the, the manager there and some of the players we've got. There's a real atmosphere that if we got promoted, I reckon we could... I don't think we're going to go for top six next year in the championship, but we could really make an impression. And It's up to Duchatelet at the moment to sort that, and it, he doesn't seem to be doing it. Excellent stuff. Right, let's have a quick break here on, uh, on Charlton Live. When we'll come back, we'll talk about the season in the whole because this is the Player of the Year dinner, and it's time that we start guessing who may well be the winner. Charlton Live. So welcome back. We're still here at the Player of the Year dinner. They uh, looks like they they've all finished on their main courses. Anyone do you want to see what was it? chicken or something? Yeah, chicken and potatoes. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> that's it. No, see, no see gravy, you, just yeah, chicken, chicken and potatoes. Potato. Yeah, I can see you pass Ch chicken uh, roll. Yeah, it's a dry mouths in the house. Yeah, because I'm not coming around your house for dinner, mate. Because that's the uh, the the, the uh, invention you can come up with for, for a bit of food. But yeah, they're, they're taking that away now. Um, but of course, it's the player of the year dinner. Uh, the awards will follow. Uh, soon I imagine possibly after pudding hopefully because we're going to keep talking for a while so um, we need to pick one we need to pick a player of the year um, plenty of options out there um, but I mean for me there's a there's a clear front runner um, I just wish he got his goal yesterday of course Josh Parker but no, <laughs> no there is there is a there is there is a clear obviously a front runner in in Lyle Taylor um, agree with that is, is that what we're expecting Tom it's what I'm expecting. It's not who I voted for. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, you can't argue with, with his goals and the impression he's made. And, and not only that, the work he's done around the club, you know, like we saw only yesterday, you know, going out and visiting, visiting a fan who, who couldn't make it to the ground. And the videos he's done on social media for various fans to wish him happy birthdays, the cancer awareness thing he did when he dyed his hair pink, you know. Uh, I, you know, some people will like him. Plenty of opposition, certainly fans and players, will hate him because of 
how much he makes he makes the game all about him and he makes it a real show um, and he doesn't shy away from that at all he absolutely loves that he thrives off that and uh, yeah and, and like I say when you just boil down to the hard facts his goals and assists he's been suspended for a period of time he's had to deal as you said earlier with his best mate or his mate on the pitch leaving and ha- having to be up front on his own for a period he's just been a, a phenomenal player for this club I saw him last year at Wimbledon and, and thought he looked decent but there was no way I was expecting him to hit the, the records or the goals that he has this year um, and he's just a, a complete asset to the side and I fully expect him to win it and, and he'd be a very deserving winner if he does of course um, you know, easy to forget that he actually had the option of going to Sunderland before he came here you imagine I mean mm. they spent £4 million on Will Grigg in the in, in the January transfer window which um, hasn't got them promotion actually just yet hasn't got them <laughs> automatic so they must be fuming about but you know, he he made that decision, and, and I'm not breaking any embargoes now because uh, it, it's it's due out on Monday morning. But that's the same time as this podcast. He told us that you know, the reason he came to Charlton is because of the manager, because of Lee Bowyer. Mm. Um, so it shows how much of an asset he is to Lee Bowyer, to of course to the to the team. But I mean, Lyle Taylor, he still comes here. He, he got those 55 goals in three seasons for AFC Wimbledon. There's a lot of pressure on, on a player like that when he come here, but. I mean, he, he plays up to it. I mean, he, he loves being the centre of attention as well, which is not, there's nothing wrong with that at all when you're the centre of attention doing that on a pitch because he's, he plays with it again with his heart on his sleeve. <laughs> he, um, he, he, you know, he's, he's passionate about it. He gives as good as, as as good as he gets when it comes to roughhousing on the pitch because he gets a hell of a lot of that as well. But, and he has been the complete package for us this season. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I mean, listen, I mean, Lyle Taylor, he's here, he, you know, he's paid to score goals. Um, but I think a lot of the time, I think Bowie has mentioned it in numerous sort of interviews. I mean, the amount of assists he's got, I don't know what he's up to now. He must be double figures now, easy for assists. And it's just his general build-up plays a focal point, but he's not one of those the stereotypical focal points where they're about 18 stone and, like, <laughs> and can't move, like an Akin Fenway. Like, that's a focal point, but he's so mobile. He can, you know, he's, he can pull Sanka out of the bag like that free kick against Gunthorpe. He tracks back, he works hard, he brings others into play. So... You know, if he does win it, you can understand why. And that's yeah. as, a, as a total all, all a thing. <laughs> I thought we were getting our first player interview there. <laughs> Dylan Phillips just coming up to shake Nathan's hands. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for um, overall play, you'd have to say that. But, I mean, for me, I mean, it's difficult. Because if you had a most improved, you've got to say Naby for me. Mm. But glad Dill said when I said that. <laughs> Didn't ask where I catch you when he come over. But, yeah, I think that's that. I think consistently, Lyle's been there. Yeah. He's been a talisman all over the place. Oh, we'll come on to most improved in a minute because, I mean, that's clearly Naby, I'd say. But although, funny enough, I, I listened back to last year's Player of the Year dinner show earlier just to try and remember how, how, how we do it. <laughs> and uh, I said that Naby Saar would have been our most improved player last year as well. So yeah. maybe, 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 maybe he's not most improved. Maybe he's now just kept that level. But, I mean, who, who else is... I mean, there, there's so many players that, that could have gone in to the top three. We'll find out who the top three are later. But, I mean, there, there's so many you could have picked from again which again shows that we, I mean, we've got quality running f- f- through this even if it is a small squad it's uh, it's quality and not quantity this year exactly yeah we've got we've got quality quality players i mean i could i could look at you know there's three trophies up for grabs there on the main prize i could look at Lyle Taylor i could look at Josh Cullen Christian Bilic Naby Sarr Patrick Bauer Dylan Phillips for his performance in the second half of the season alone for keeping his head up and and coming in and making that number one shirt his own, despite the arrival of, of Chris Maxwell behind us, you know he's he's done brilliant. We've got a great side, a, a great squad, and 
they're you know they're all worthy of a prize. But I agree. <laughs> I think Lyle will, will probably run away with the uh, with the trophy. But I think everyone over there should be proud of what they've achieved this season. So so so. Um most improved player then so we, we talked about it I mean so if we were to rule Naby out which I mean is debatable because I, I still think he's come on again this season and, and this is the first time he's got a, a, a place in the team and held it down I mean he's keeping Jason Pierce out which is I mean if, 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 if you had told me this time last year that Naby Saar would be keeping Jason Pierce out of the <laughs> Charlton side I would have laughed you out of the room because I mean it just shows how far Naby's come mm. in four years in particular because if, if you told me that Naby Saar was still going to be here in four years time at that time after some of the performances he, he struggled with in his early days I, again I would never have believed you but mm. who I mean who else has, has really come on this year and that probably one that we can maybe say Carlin he's, he's, it's easy to forget because he's not here anymore but mm. if you think about you know this was the first time he's really scored goals consistently for Charlton I mean he was a revelation for the addicts in the first half of this season I think I think you probably, as most improved, you have to give it to either Carlin, and, and this one again is a, a bit of an odd one, but Joe Aribo, because yes, Aribo was good last year, but this year he's looked a class above, and I think you look at anyone else, Lapsley I don't think had enough last year to compare, same with Albie Morgan, same with Dylan Phillips, Igor hasn't had enough this year really to compare, Ben Reeves probably about the same, Marshall, Fosu dropped off, Solly Mr Consistent, Bauer Mr Consistent, Carlin Bielik new players. I don't really see where else you can go. So you look at someone like Joe Aribo or Carlin Grant. Obviously, Carlin was tearing it up at Crawley last year, went on and hit the heights here. Aribo last year looked like, oh, he's going to be one of them good players, you know. Um, but this year has, you know, will probably, I would think, finish second to, to Lyle um, and only because of Lyle's goals. So I, it's very difficult to, to find one player that's just improved from last year. And th but that's no discredit to all of them because I think they all have performed at a high standard. I think the, the ones that have who were here last year have maintained that standard. Others uh, tend to be players that have come in. So it's a difficult award. I think uh, you probably have to give it to Naby Sarr um, because he is that one player who last year was being a little bit ridiculed and obviously the season before that and the season before that much more so. And then this year has just been, just been absolutely unreal. And I don't know about Nath if he's still worried about him, but I've now got to a position that when he starts, he doesn't worry me anymore. And it's... Mm. It, I'm only just at that point now, but he just looks solid. Now, yeah. you're, if, if we're looking for, I, I'm not going to call it the young player of the year because, as we saw in the Premier League, I mean, you end up with someone like Raheem Sterling who does fit in the age bracket, but is clearly an excellent player and has been for years winning it. So, I've gone for breakthrough player of the year. So, a player who perhaps has come from the youth team and really taken their chance this year. So, I mean, it, the options probably are you're looking at the likes of Albie Morgan, George Lapsley. I don't know if there's anyone else who. Dick Steele, maybe. Dick Steele, maybe. See, Dick Steele, I'd have punted for for most improved. Yeah. I'd, have, I'd have thrown his hat in the ring for the most improved. So, I think when he's coming this season in that right back berth, you know, covering for Solly. When he did that last season, I thought I was impressed, but I, I thought that there was a mistake in him, and I thought there was a little vulnerability when he came forward. But this season, I've just felt that he's so much comfortable. Bearing in mind that the central defensive mid is his, is his sort of main position, I just feel like he's been a lot more asserted in that in that right back position now, and he's sort of made it his own. I've, He's someone I've been really impressed with this season, so I, I wouldn't mind chucking his name in the hat for the most improved. Yeah, Anthony Dixon. And, and, and then, so yeah, a good choice, of course, because he's keeping Solly. That's going yeah. to be a real interesting battle yeah. when the oh, yeah. when, when Solly's back for the uh, the second leg of the semi final, of course, as well. Um, so of, of the breakthrough players, then other than other, other than Dick Steele, I mean, you're looking yeah. at the likes of Lapsley, Morgan. Yeah, I think, I think what we've got to remember is obviously Morgan and Lapsley came into went away on pre-season, and they've did. It, I mean, we I remember the game at home when Lapsley came on and made his first appearance. He was 
he was like a rabbit in the headlights, I must admit. And, uh, and if you look from where he was, um, back to that Blackpool game when he came on and he looked all out of sorts, because his energy, he was chasing, he was, tra- go, yeah, he was going yeah. into spaces where he shouldn't be going. And obviously coming into this season, he's had a good pre-season. Same with Albi. But I think for young player, I think you'd, you'd have to give it for George. You look at that, get that game against Pompey away. Oh, exactly. You know, yeah. the, the assist oh, yeah, he's got. That, that was incredible. Think, Locked with his face. Yeah, exactly. And then, <laughs> and then, and then obviously days, well, with Christmas, he got cut over up at Coventry when he got came on for about 30 seconds and then got knocked out. <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, I think George Lapsley would be my... Um, my young he's probably not had as many minutes as I thought he would mm. but you've got to remember he came to that Sunderland game playing just behind Lyle didn't look like a sh- he was a different player than when he was when he came on against Blackpool so for me I think Georgie would get the, the yeah. young one well, yeah him. as you say that, that game against Blackpool last season where he came on and he looked like a, a rabbit caught in headlights so he, and, and it was yeah. a shame because um, you know because he, he's rated and we've seen him yeah. coming up through the youth and we were expecting more from him than that but then when I saw him in that squad at Sunderland I was really terrified as to what was going to happen but he really played out of his skin and, and he has clearly improved um, Lee Bowyer has obviously got a good record of improving players as well and, and working in particular with midfielders because that is of course his speciality and uh, and it's been been great to see from him now if we're going to talk about our favourite games of the season mm-hmm. because you know we're, we're looking at yeah, the story of the season has been has been written and, and spoken about many times, but it's, it's easy to forget that yeah, that the opening day at Sunderland, we were not expecting the season that came after it, and the memories that came after it as well. And yeah, if, if you had to pick a, a favourite moment of the season, there's been so many. Portsmouth away, you know, they were seven points clear at the top of the league. Of course, ending Luton's 28-game uh, unbeaten run here at the Valley a, a few weeks ago. Luton away, we saw these. I mean, there's so many good ones to pick, Lewis. If, if beating Portsmouth on Sky, actually winning a game on TV, winning a game on TV as well. I mean, yeah. that is that is that up there as your favourite? Have you it's got? up there, but I think um, that last-minute winner at South End was was absolute limbs. That was class, uh, and like, as you've touched on as well, Solly's Solly's volley against Luton was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so many moments really like just loads even even up at Plymouth away when we started pretty rubbish and then ended up nicking the 2-0 win like just all games like that I've just it's been a really really good season it's hard to pinpoint one but I think if I had to it'd probably be the ending Luton's run here Nathan I think I know which one you're going to go for I think you're going to go a little bit off the beaten track here because there's there's one game that, that you two were commentating on which was oh, yeah. one of uh, the it was one of those games where uh, I'm, I'm going to I think there's one of those ones where I really couldn't be bothered to go and I love going to Charlton <laughs> but it was Stevenage away in the Checker Trade Cup I, I, Checker Trade Trade I can see it in your eyes that you want to talk about that game yeah, it was, I think it was just proper banner. <laughs> I mean, he got to. I think when we when when obviously George scored, it was eight, and it's great. I mean, we were. I, th- I remember listening back, and then I mean, you were in stitches. It was that funny. I mean, I was listening at the time. And but, I had no idea what was going exactly. on. Exactly, and then, well, and then so pra- so practically playing like a, a Alessandro Nesta sort of role was incredible. But uh, I goal, think goal scoring central defender Darren Prattley. Yeah, I think that's up there. But I think if I think about my moment, would probably be Nabby's Tekkers for that free kick against Wimbledon I think. oh that's uh, up there as well yeah we've got to talk about goal of the season as well and yeah, that's, that, that's, probably my, yeah. that's probably my moment yeah, uh, but to- Toby Stevenson <laughs> going up take that penalty for his hat oh, yeah, give, it to, that was, that give it to Toby give it to Toby he's going to go down in folklore <laughs> along with wow absolute wow oh that was Luton yeah. wasn't it yeah, yeah that was Luton because some of the, some of the uh, great moments we've had this season oh, yeah, up there. I mean, uh, Tom, if, if, again, there's probably games that we, uh, we, we've yet to mention yet, but if you had to pick one. My, my moment has to be Boya's post-match after Peter Burrow at home. <laughs> when he, I've never seen a man so angry, and I must have watched that 
20, 30 times since, and it just gets <laughs> it's funnier. Big geezer. Because standing on a touchline, shouting at the fourth official. Because if you think about that press conference now, you remember how angry he is at the end. But if you watch it, he's quite angry at the start, but it gets so bad <laughs> by the end. And it's only about four minutes long as well. It's one of the that. few press conferences I haven't actually been in this year. I was, I was there in the room, Mate, but me, was, me and Rich oh, were, so were both working. So I was typing up Steve Evans' reaction in the other room. And I was just seeing these tweets coming through from Rich saying he's just called uh, he's just called Steve Evans a big geezer shouting on the touchdown. I was like, I really need to get into this rumours. Mm. It was it was perfection. It was perfection. It was incredible. It's even that team of the season one the other day. So it's absolute rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> a load of rubbish. Cracks me up. But again, let's talk about that. I mean. There's no Charlton players in the in, the, in the EFL <laughs> team of the season or the <laughs> PFA care. team of the season. Now these uh, the, the PFA team of the season is one picked by the other players. Yeah. I mean, we, we have our theories as to why they don't want Lyle Taylor in that team because oh, yeah. they must hate playing against him because he is a massive wind-up merchant on the pitch. Um, but I mean, the, the EFL team of the season surprised not to see at least at least Taylor, maybe a Rebo, maybe Cullen in there. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we've got the best midfielders in the league, so to Easily see none the of them in there is the just ridiculous, mm. yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For maybe maybe Cameron McGee and, uh, at Barnsley, and yeah, you'd have a couple, but I'd be surprised. I was surprised that Cullen was in there, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah that he's not Cullen in there. Especially. You could say like, yeah, I think Billick's probably one of the best DMs in the league, and then you, you have got good attacking players. In, in other teams but to not have not one single Charlton player but I said it on our Thursday show when when it happened it was like I'm more than happy for us to slip yeah, under the yeah, radar 100%. and then when and we done that we were fifth we were miles away when those teams come out if they done that now there's no way mm. there'll be no Charlton player in that team if they done it now no chance there'll be at yeah. least three of them in there yeah. but that's 100% don't that, that me, doesn't though. bother me at no. all because these boys know what they're good at these boys know what they're working for and they know we're all going in the right way. They're playing the right way. We're confident. Who cares? What's the team of the season? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Championship's yeah. the main name, isn't it? Yeah, Who cares? That exactly that. Now, uh, let's talk about the opposite. Um, you know, you hear it, the player of the, of the year dinner. They don't have a dinner for most disappointing player of the year, but, I mean, let's have one now. I'll, I'll bring a sandwich out. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, a f- there's a few, a couple of options. I mean... And let's talk in hushed tones because he is here. But Tariq Fossey clearly, oh, clearly has been a huge disappointment this season. And then the comments from Lee Bayer after Gillingham, where he was making out, it sounds like he wasn't even trying in training. Mm. I mean, that that after this time last year, we were crying about the fact that he was injured for the playoffs, devastated because he was our most important player. To go from that Tariq Fossey to this one, where he's played well twice against mm. Walsall away and he scored a great goal at home to to Gillingham. 
what, what on earth has happened? The system doesn't suit him, perhaps, but even then, you'd expect more. It's um, no excuse for, yeah. for the lack of work ethic for me. And it's like the whole, the most improved if you remove Naby Sarr. I think if you remove Tariq Fosu from this debate, I don't think there is a player. I don't think you can pick one because even the likes of, like we talked about earlier, Josh Parker or Chris Maxwell, who hasn't even had a chance to have a game, they look like they're part of the squad and they look like they're working, they look like there's harmony there. But Fosu's, you just don't see that. And the, the rumours that come out and what Bo is saying about him, if he's just down tools, then, then he's an absolute disgrace. And that first half of the season didn't go his way and he had a tough injury to have to come back from midway, uh, sorry, over the summer period. But he should be performing better. We've seen what he can do and he's got that talent. And for me, if it is that Boyer has bombed him out of the side and we were surprised he was here tonight, then I'm fully behind Boyer's decision because you look at that squad and you look at them going around the pitch yesterday, you can see that unity is there and it just doesn't seem like Fosu, not only does he not fit in that formation on the pitch, I don't think he fits in with this group of players. So it's such a disappointment because we know what he's capable of, but... He's not part of that squad, and deservedly so for me. Is there anyone else, Lewis, that you would have expected a bit more from? Um, I mean, I'd like, I'd like Josh Parker to come in and have more of an impact, but you probably put that down to minutes. Apart from that, more on a, of a sort of... It's a harsh one, but I think I'd like to have seen a little bit more from Johnny Williams. Yeah. That yeah. little bit more. Not saying that he's had a bad spell here at all. At all. But I'd like to have seen maybe a bit more end product, maybe a couple of goals... Um, I'd like to have seen him do a little bit more, but I also think that he's been a great, a great addition. So you look at it on both on both hands, don't you? You think one, you know, one side of it could he have done more? Of course he could have, but at the same time, there have been games where he's been absolutely unplayable. Um, but my main thing, really, main disappointment again, like as we've touched as Fosu, I was I was concerned automatically when when he came back for that South End game and within minutes had nutted a South End player and got straight red. You know, the excitement we had of seeing him back on the bench after an injury and he. He's on the pitch for a matter of minutes for nutting someone. I was thinking, oh, what's happened here? But, you know, it's, it's his own problem. I and mean, he's the one that's not going to be part of the success story. So more for him. If, that, yeah. if his attitude is what's, what's been said, then more for him for not wanting to be a part of this. So an- another, another award we'll give out on this evening's uh, Charlton Live Pro of the Year special has got to be best uh, aggro moment of the season then. So you talked about the, the brawl at Southend where three players got sent off. You've got the brawl here against Accrington yeah. Stanley where Taylor and, and their goalkeeper got sent off. Um, where else you've got Naby Sarr getting sent off after one minute. There's, 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 been a, <laughs> there's been a lot of red cards and fights and stuff. You know, um, I think it's hard to look beyond the Southend one, but I just think because we then went on to win after the Accrington one, I mean, that was up there with one of my favourite moments of the season. Yeah. When Carlin yeah. put that penalty away... And one of the few times I, on my Radio London commentary, I just let go and just started cheering <laughs> instead, of, instead of commentating. Mm. I mean, that, that's, that's up there with one of the most aggressive and fun moments of the season. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that, that's what I would have said. I, even though I wasn't at Southend and it must have been um, funny to watch. But I think Accrington, being at home, and it was a game that... It was one of those games we've seen a lot. They sit behind a ball, it's frustrating, and then it... It all sort of kicked off, and then they pinned the poor old Lino. Then you had Chris Solly trying to bat off about three six foot eight <laughs> defenders, which was hilarious. And um, and like you say, you know, the penalty was put away, um, even though you know that they got their red card overturned and we didn't. I think that was that is the but case. But then they it? got the Sam Finley for, yeah. for stamping on last yeah, so five game. Not Sykes, but it was yeah, like yeah, it was, it, that was for me. And like you say, it was it was a turning point and. Even like like you said, Lou, that Plymouth game. I think that deal save, that penalty save, mm. was so pivotal in that game. Mm. 
that I think that spurred us on because that could have gone one or two ways. We don't know where we would be now if we lost that Plymouth game. But mm. I think, yeah, that Aquiton game for me was definitely one of the most argy bargy ones. Yeah, okay. yeah, know where Plymouth would be, they wouldn't be relegated. That's for yeah. sure. You think they're <laughs> cursing the day they came across uh, uh, Dylan Phillips there. So, goal of the season then. Let, let, let's end it on a higher before we start listening to the, uh, the, the player awards. So, um, I've written down a list of a few, but I'm going to let you guys have first pick. So, Thomas? I'm going to have to go for it. But the Bielik one yesterday, the, the team move for that goal uh, for me. So, I just so you're someone who likes slick flowing football. Yeah. I like someone twatting one in from 40 yards out. So you're very different. It people. depends who that player is. When El Kakuri <laughs> used to do that, I was right behind it. But yeah. now nah, that move yesterday that summed up everything that Bowie has been about, particularly this second half of the season. So for me, I'd have to give it that one. Yeah, yeah. Nate. Yeah. Nate, you got. Yeah, some. I mean, well, if you've got that, I can't remember what goal it was. I'm sure there was a goal where everyone touched the ball or we kept the ball for a minute or something at home. I can't remember what guy it was, but in terms of, I don't know whatever you said, uh, levering it or whatever you said, I forgot to go with it. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. I was going to say that, that but I didn't want to swear again and get accused and get banned. <laughs> but, um, but for the unbelievable techers, I've got to give it give it to Nabs for Wimbledon away and just yeah. for the pure scenes. Yeah. When he steps out, everyone's like, yeah, Cullen's going to stick this back post. He's like, yeah, all right. Well, I love the fact of that, that goal away uh, at Wimbledon, Nabby Sar free kick. Now, Ollie Groom, the club media officer, always, <laughs> always says... Or as I said for honestly, I think he said it for two years. He said that Naby Sarr is the best finisher at this club, and they should let him take some more dead balls. And then when you listen to back to the commentary of, of uh, Terry and yeah. Greg in the background while they're still commentating, you can just hear Ollie Ollie saying, "I told you, I told you, we can do that." <laughs> but um, Lewis, your, your favourite? Uh, just because Tom's missed it, which will be disappointed about Darren Prattley against Shrewsbury. What a ping! <laughs> that was a great finish. That was a great goal. That was... Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 you've got Toby's. Toby's Toby, second goal. Yeah, Toby's second yeah, goal. That's one of my list as well. Yeah. So, Pratt's goal as well because... Um, and we, we, we talked about Pratt on the show before, but I mean, he's a, he's a player with his attributes and his limitations, of course, but I never expected one of his attributes to be uh, scoring a goal like that. So, mm. And I think I'd made it quite clear... Uh, in the build-up to that game, in the press box, saying like, saying like, I know what Prattley can give, but I don't think he's providing the right thing today. Mm. I think we need a more creative midfielder or something. Wherever it was, we were missing. I was disappointed he was in. And when he scored that goal, I think it was George Jones, the former club media officer, who's back for the dinner tonight. Actually, which was good to see. I think I had him tapping my shoulder down the road, waving at me, like you know, <laughs> telling me off for, for saying <laughs> yeah. that I was a bit disappointed that Prattley would play. But yeah. I mean, it, other goals that, that stood out for me. So of course we haven't mentioned Taylor's free kick against Scunthorpe, yeah. which is again one of the best free kicks we've seen from a, a Charlton player for a long time. Um, Fosu against Gillingham just for Christmas was a, was a great mm. goal. Lyle Taylor's chip against Mansfield oh, in the goal, five yeah. nil. That was a, that was a brilliant goal as well um, I said our first goal against uh, Barnsley where Jamie Ward played yeah. the ball through now that was more more of a Tom goal like an excellent move rather yeah. than a, a twatting goal which, I, which I've mentioned <laughs> now that I quite quite enjoy but, um, but, but Jamie, that was Jamie, Jamie Ward had another little dink of Bristol well, yeah, yeah Jamie yeah. Ward yeah, yeah, when, when Jess Deard uh, pumped it over the long, uh, over long the, the top for him um, <laughs> Solly's goal against uh, Luton wasn't oh, actually a bad yeah. goal it was, it was a great yeah. goal and then of course I, I really liked uh, the, the two goals we scored away at Bradford City early on in the season the first one was a glorious through ball from, from Carlin but Carlin still had loads amazing. to do and, and uh, had to cut in and, and then put it into the top corner mm. and then that second goal from Lyle Taylor when We've been playing well, but we're under a little bit of pressure. Um, was just uh, was just perfect as well. Right, um, we're going to have a little break now because my cup of tea has arrived. Um, so as is tradition, someone Lovely. always brings me a cup of tea. At the dinner. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, there we go. Um, so we're going to have a break now because I think it's time to try and find out who Charlton's uh, Player of the Year 
is for the 2018-19 season. There's a, a list of awards coming up. We're going to hear them all now, and then uh, afterwards we'll uh, react to that. Charlton Live. Okay, this is the supporter of the year. So a good old welcome up here to receive his award, Chris Thompson. Player of the year is Nabi Sam. Um, and I'm going to now award the Charleston Athletic Women's Player of the Year. Um, I think her performances and the fact that she's had top goal scorer this season has not gone unnoticed. So I'm proud to say uh, this year's Player of the Year is Lisbeth Turgutti. So, the winner, the winner of the Valley Gold Young Player of the Year, and I think he'll be running up here because he doesn't do walking in particular. It's George Lapsley. In third place, the third place was very close, and the three people very close to third place. But uh, please come up and accept your award, please. Josh Cullen. Uh, in second place, I think if there'd been an award for the most improved player, there would be no question who would have won it. And he came second and thoroughly deserved. A round of applause for everybody, please. A great stalwart in our defence, Nabi Saab. In the eight years I've been organising the vote, and I've to record every year, there's only been one previous occasion when anybody has gained more than 50% of the votes. And that was in 2012, which of course was the promotion year uh, under Chris Powell, when a young Chris Solly swept the board and I think he got 52 or 53% of the votes. This year, with 52% of the votes, a clear winner. Let's hear it for Charlton Athletics Player of the Year, Lyle Taylor. When you cheer his name, 
you don't realise what it does to a player. And from where Naby's gone to where he is now, he deserves everything, all the praise he gets this evening. So there we go, Lyle Taylor is Cholton's Player of the Year for 2018-19. Um, no, no major surprises there, Tom. Um, we, we were, of course, predicting that. Yeah, massive shock, yeah. eh? Um, and, and like Boya said, thoroughly deserved. He scored us the goals that we didn't get last year. And uh, yes, he plays up to the crowd. Yes, he likes to be the pantomime villain. But um, yeah, he's just been, he's been such an asset. And to have got him for uh, effectively for free uh, what a deal and what a piece of work from, from the, bar, uh, the backroom staff Boya praised them all there and um, yeah he's, he's just been brilliant and, and thoroughly deserves the award but I'm sure he'll be the first to say you know this, this has been a team performance this season and um, yeah he's, he's spearheaded that team and as I say thoroughly deserved and Ian mentioned there as he was handing out the awards now, it's, one of, it's one of the rare occasions where a, a winner gets over 50% you know he was a clear winner hmm. Lyle Taylor and we do say there's a lot of players who have been brilliant this season but he is out and you know he does stand out from the crowd doesn't he Lyle Taylor and, and you do wonder particularly with Carlin leaving where we would have been if he wasn't still here like if he wasn't here yeah I think I think we could um, there was a couple of names that we've mentioned that have you know have had good seasons but I think if you look at the whole 46 games it, like you say he was a clear winner I think it was it's 52% or something and it it made sense I mean yeah Nabi Nabi was up there as well but consistently 46 games he's He's got his important goals, he's created goals, and it's his, his overall play is, um, I think, it's thoroughly deserved. And and, uh, and like Bose just said there, I mean, we were crying out for a striker last year. Imagine if we had him last year with the, cre- the chances we were creating, even though we got, I think we got a better team this year. Um, that's exactly what we need, and he's come in and he's done the job. And I think what Tom said earlier, I, I knew he was going to be good, but I, I didn't anticipate him to get so many goals and so many assists that he has. Yeah, Naby Sarr coming in second. Um, again, I mean, Bo, Bo you said it himself there. Um, dead, dead, described him as dead and buried when he was first here. And in, you know, in a way, I always feel like I have to try and skirt around the issue a little bit and say, you know, he didn't quite put in performance. He was dead and buried. Lee Bayer said it himself. And to show the character to turn that around and put in the performances he has this season and towards the end of last season, like I said, he was, he was improving. But the, the performances he's put in this season... It, it, it says a lot about him. He's clearly more settled. He's finally showing the sort of player that, that, that he's got the potential to be. Exactly, and he's he's been outstanding this season. And as Lee Bowyer touched on his speech, there he's just always got a smile on his face. You know, he plays with a smile. His his crossfield passing and his his range is incredible. 
he's pipped in with a few goals. That free kick at Wimbledon we spoke about earlier, I don't think we'll ever forget that moment because it was incredible. Um, and just, it's so nice to see, I don't think I've ever seen a career turnaround like Naby Sar ever. I, and it's just like, it's credit to him for showing the right attitude and the right determination to, to make a name for himself here and, and really turn his career around. Because as Boya said, and as you said there, he was dead and buried. And um, I'm, I'm just really happy for him. It shows, it's nice for him to have an award to recognise his efforts this season yeah. and he really deserves it. But Josh Cullen in third place as well, Tom, um, another player. Let's like say that. I mean, Billick will feel like he's, he's missed out there. There's a Rebo will feel like he's missed out there. But Josh Cullen's another one who, yeah, that's why it's so hard to choose. And, and um, uh, Ian did mention that the third place was quite tight. So I do wonder if uh, yeah. if, if those two may have been in there as well. But Cullen's been a, a, a real asset to the squad this year. Yeah, and I think those other two that you mentioned there, those five for me were, were ahead of everybody else by quite some margin. But yeah, to come in on loan, to put the work in that he has, to, to run as much as he has. And, and like Boya said in his speech there, the stuff he does that perhaps goes unnoticed for people who aren't, don't follow football that closely, you know, who are looking at goals and things like that. The work he puts in off the ball, the work he does to win the ball back and distribute it, he's thoroughly deserving of that third place. And as a loanee, you know, he obviously wants to push into that West Ham next year. Um, but he's someone who, if we're in the championship, we would love to have back. Excellent stuff. Right, we are going to... Actually, let's just quickly mention as well the women's team because hopefully we'll, we'll grab Liz Ajupi, uh, the player of the year for the women's team. Uh, we heard from Ratish there. It's been a great season for them. Mm. Um, and, and Liz Ajupi, the, the, the top scorer, she signed... Well, she came back to the club. She was here as a, as a young player and she came back from Aston Villa in the summer and she's a real... Ass- I mean, if you had told me that this before the start of this season that Kit Graham wouldn't win player of the season, I would have thought, wow, we're going to be signing some good players then. Yeah, exactly. I think obviously Liz has come in and done done a job and got some important goals. And as the team as a whole, I mean, only falling over, falling the hurdle of go, you know going going up against Spurs and then losing it late on, you know, finishing finishing in the top four in their first season in the championship. Like, even if we, we cast our mind back to the sort of first game in the season, I don't think we could ever envisage that. You know, the, the girls were going to do that well, and they've they've done remarkable in terms of their season so far. And obviously, Liz has been in, in pivotal with that and all the goals that she scored. Right, so we're still waiting for the players to come over, but I am delighted to say we're now joined by uh, Charlton Valley Pass commentator and, of course, massive friend of the show, uh, Stubbers. Great Stubbly, how are you doing? Uh, oh, Stubbers. Yeah. I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm yeah. very, very yeah. good. This is a, He's a, eaten, little, we haven't. a little bit dangerous because I think some of the players will be absolutely clean of any alcohol <laughs> and you're interviewing someone who's had a couple of pints. <laughs> I, I, know, I know some of them have, aren't <laughs> clean of alcohol. There's, there are a couple that have had a couple. Uh, uh, Stubbers, um, yep. obviously you, you see pretty much every game as well, give or take and yeah. Lyle Taylor pro of the season no, no surprises there for you? No I think I, I think sometimes you've got to think about player of the year it's not just about what happens on the field um, in Lyle's case it's it's everything it's it's what he does on the pitch as a player he's our a top goal scorer he's our leading man uh, off the pitch it's the same for me I think um, everyone on this table will agree if you, if you speak to him he's he's a real role model for this club and it, it's been so pleasing to see him not only uh, get better as a player but also to see us in sort of taking his model as being a top striker in the league and being one of the best players in our division is, is a real credit to him and a, a credit to the club who, who managed to get him in the first place so I, cu- I couldn't think of a more deserving winner personally the, the whole Charlton Life family is joining us now Sue Gallup <laughs> the first lady um, you've enjoyed your evening I'm sure oh I have been, we've had Joe Rebo on our table uh, he's such a little darling yeah he doesn't say much when I've ever interviewed he's him he's very quiet because yeah, he doesn't like you Louis that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, he's quite unassuming yeah. 
Um, uh, Lyle Taylor just saying to Stubbers the winner there. I mean, he's the standout player, but of course, the likes of Naby Saar coming in second in particular. I love what Lee Boyer had to say about Naby there. Yeah, I actually voted for Naby because I think when you... Lyle's an obvious one. You bang in that many, was it 24 goals? Yeah. You're going to like be a standout, aren't you? But I think just on the journey that Naby's come on, I think when you think like... I remember the first season, and we used to do the like vote for your play. Like we used to do our little advert things, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, a little fake. And we, of the you year used to get out. us to do a little questionnaire about who's the most unlikely one to win Player of the Year. And I always used to write Nabby, and now I've actually voted for him, like because I think he deserves it. Just the fact that when he started, he used to get dogs abused. Like everyone hated him because he was seen as one of the Roland signings. Yeah. And just to see how much I've got to make sure that I don't swear now. How much, how much balls must you have to be able to come back from being probably the most hated player to now being second in the Player of the Year well, yeah, award? We're, we're and have your so, like your name sung from the North Stand, which is an hard crowd to please. Yeah. And the fact that when the players were being introduced, he was the one that got the loudest cheer. Yeah. I just, I've got so much respect for him. He's such a lovely guy. And just to work that hard and keep your head up and keep fighting and show people what you're made of at the age of, what, 21? Yeah, well, he was 25 now. Yeah, but he was very, yeah, when we first got him. Just unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, I think if, if, uh, if we're going to see a similar journey this time next year, you'll be sitting here talking about Josh Parker. Having a having a having a you resurgence know, oh, as well, but that's that's a similar. He's in the similar position, and it shows that the players' positions can turn around. So, well, I've got you both, Greg and and, and Sue. Playoffs are coming up. Yep. We've all had our say. On paper, we've picked up the team that we wanted to, possibly unless you take the form table into account. But mm-hmm. Doncaster are the team that finished a long way behind everyone else. I'll start with you, Stubbers. Is that? Is that the dream draw? Was what happened yesterday what we desperately wanted to happen? I'm not sure dream's the right word, but on paper, that's the team we all wanted. There's, there's no question about it. Um, I think the difference between this season and last season is last season, we are just about getting into the playoffs. And we, we were kind of seeing that as an achievement. Right now, I think whilst we got third, and that's an incredible achievement, I think there's a lot of, oh, we, we're only three points off second. And there's a lot of... Uh, we're actually the best team in this division and I think no matter who we play I think we've got this added confidence this year that we'd go and beat them and I think speaking to a lot of the players already tonight that that's what they see they see okay Doncaster away is going to be a tough game but the second leg being here I think so crucial mm. I think this place is going to be absolutely bouncing I think that the place itself this year has been a hard place to come and play and I think if you're a Doncaster this is not the draw you wanted you wanted to go and play Portsmouth and Sunderland and, and upset them I think coming to Charlton at the moment is the toughest game in, in this league and I think it's up to the players now and I, I'm really I, I don't want to be too confident but I'm but we're no, definitely no, winning. But you are. I, <laughs> I am. But look, look, I mean, this is a good thing. Let's, I mean, if you ask me this at the start of the season, I mean, Tom did a great tweet yesterday saying that after Sunderland's, we, we oh, were sort yeah. of down in our head thinking, oh, we, you know, we almost got a point. What a Didn't result that would have been. have enough subs. Exactly. What, we had five? And we yeah. just about got that. And, I and think, their average age was five as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you just look at... You just look at the team now and you, you, you just you, you have a lot of regret because you just think how good this team would have been if we had this throughout the season, if you didn't have those injury crises, if you didn't have 
a certain someone selling your best striker in well, your joint best striker shall we say in January you know these are the sort of small margins we've had to deal with and, and Barnsley haven't had to deal with that you know Portsmouth and Sunderland have, have got stronger as the season goes on on paper and yet we finished above them and I think that I can only stress what a good job that Lee Bowie has done and, and the playing staff no matter what happens but I still get the sense that this is the only the beginning part now and mm. we've got two potentially and hopefully three games and we could be playing championship football and so, that's the dream. Uh, I mean we've all seen playoff campaigns fail and we've seen playoff campaigns that end in the victories um, so the nerve the players have to show the nerve we saw it in 98 our playoff campaign since then haven't been quite as successful. They, they need to be on their game no matter how well they've played recently and Lee's going to have to be the man to make sure he, he has them in line ready think, for Sunday. I think what Greg said is really crucial but I think actually when you look at it we were at the beginning seen as like almost like the underdogs like because of the state of everything because we didn't have enough players to even have on the bench and I think this is why this team deserves so much credit because they have kept fighting that we haven't paid four million pound for Will Grigg like Sunderland have do you know what I mean like yeah. we deserve this these boys have dug in he's, he's gone through the youth again like got gone with young players again a really good mix I mean even someone like Darren Prattley who's like made the odd appearance coming off the bench or whatever but they've from speaking to Bo yesterday he wanted players that were going to buy into the ethos of the club it's almost like we've gone back to the whole vibe that Pally built when, yeah. when we went up and the players are, are very much bought into that and are very passionate about us doing well not just for their own CVs or whatever but actually because they care about what they're doing and I think going into that Doncaster game because it was very touch and go as to whether they were going to get in they only got, got in by the skin of their teeth so they're in a similar situation to us last year so I, I'm really confident that we're going to beat Donny and I think it's going to be a Charlton-Sunderland final. Excellent. Well, that's something we can all uh, crap ourselves about when it comes to it. But <laughs> we're, going to have to, we're going to wrap up now because the players are starting to line up. I'm looking forward to... Uh, we're going to start having some interviews with winners this evening. So uh, the next Binning thing you're off. going to hear... The next yeah. thing you're going to hear... You haven't won anything, Sue. Get away. Uh, the next Bye, thing you guys, it was, it was emotional. Yeah, the next thing you hear... Well, yeah, the next thing you hear is going to be interviews. Charlton Live. Right, here we go. The interview we've all been waiting for, it's the Player of the Year dinner, therefore we have to have the Player of the Year. Lyle Taylor, congratulations, 52% of the vote, um, voted for by supporters, 24 goals in your first season at Charlton, into the playoffs. Couldn't have gone much better really, could it? I got about 25. <laughs> uh, no, it, I mean, it's, it's been a hell of a season, um, personally for me. So, of that I'm really, really proud. Um, and now we need to finish it off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll come on to the to the playoffs in a minute because we're all trying to put that to the back of our mind right now because the nerves start kicking in as soon as we as soon as we start. Not for you, of course. You're, no, you're, no you're, nerves here. Yeah, no, you're, no. You're, <laughs> but um, I mean, it, you, you came in to speak to us after the game yesterday, and uh, that's embargo till tomorrow morning. So I'm going to get you to say it again so we can have it as an exclusive. Um, we were talking about why you decided to sign for Charlton in the first place because, of course, Sunderland and other team in the playoffs were one of the teams that were, was your option, but. Well, what do you think was the pull that brought you to the Valley? Simply put, the manager. Um, the manager was the deciding factor. Um, I was given the opportunity to work for Lee Bowyer. And everybody knows who Lee Bowyer the player was. But nobody knew who Lee Bowyer the manager is. Um, so 
I've been given the opportunity to work with a man who is a real football man and a, a real a real people's person, to be honest with you. Um, and that that was the lure added to the fact that this is home. I was I was born in Greenwich Hospital, which is now a block of flats. Uh, very nice flats, I may add, but it is a block of flats. Um, so we're, I think we're probably half a mile down the road to, to where the hospital was. So this quite literally is home. Um, so so that all played a part in it, but the manager was the deciding factor. And, and part of your, your homecoming, as you're saying, the manager, I mean, Lee Bowyer as a player, he, he played with a certain fire in his belly, and I don't think that's something that anyone can say that you don't have either, because, I mean, obviously you've got the skills and the goals that, we, that we've had the pleasure of watching all season, but you, you know sh uh, Shrinking Violet as well on the pitch, and do you think that you can see a, a little bit of Bowyer in yourself as well? <laughs> basically you kick people if you want to I mean I, I don't know where he is <laughs> he's miles away that's alright that's fine he's miles away um, there's not many of my teammates I'd punch <laughs> I mean if Kieran Dyer was here right now would you reckon uh, you could take him I might punch him <laughs> no. I mean I, I do have to play on the edge nine times out of ten it's been quite nice recently because there's been so little pressure on us. I almost haven't needed that edge, um, but I know for a fact I'm going to need it over the next three games. So I've managed to keep myself relatively trouble-free, um, and long may that continue, but there's, there's going to be some flashpoints over the next few games, and I know that, and I will no doubt be in the middle of those, um, as is normally the case. But... I will now have to do everything I can for us to for us to win, and and that's my only aim is to to get through these next three games and and to be up on that that perch at Wembley again uh, with a playoff final winners cup and and a medal around my neck. That's that's the only aim now. And you've done it before, haven't you? Because you were there with Wimbledon yourself and Akin Fenwar as the uh, as, as the strikers. So I mean. There's a few players who, who sat down at this table this evening who've had the experience. The likes of Prattley, Cullen's got to play our finals as well. So, uh, is that something that you feel like you can impart on the rest of your teammates as well? You know, you know what it takes to get to to get to that perch at Wembley. I don't think they need it. To be honest, I, I, don't, this, I had a conversation with, with uh, Joe Aribo yesterday, and, and he said this group is unbelievable. And I said to him, I said you need to treasure this because you you might never be a part of a group this good ever again. Now, I've been fortunate to be a part of two really, really good groups. And this group trumps the last because this group has the togetherness, this group has the camaraderie, and this group has an unbelievable uh, level of ability within it. So, because that's the case, I don't think they need any coaching through by senior players. I don't think they need any... This is how you're going to prepare for a, a big game on a big stage. I think they will literally just take it in their stride. And and they're showmen. Most of this team are showmen. And, and they will relish playing on that big stage. And, and I, I can't wait. There's, there's been a bit of uh, a case of perhaps triumph from adversity for, for Cholton this year. I mean, we, won't, we don't have to go into the off-the-field issues that have been well publicised here. But... On the field, for example, I mean, Carlin Grant, you, you and Carlin built up one hell of a partnership in that first in that first half of the season. I remember uh, seeing the two of you going out to warm up at Shrewsbury, and I put on Twitter saying this is this is League One's best front two. And two weeks later, it was gone. And I mean, how hard was it for you personally to lose a player? I mean, obviously, we wish Carlin all the best because he's 
he's he's in the promised land, and, and hopefully we're going to be one step closer to that in a few weeks' time as well. But you know, as a player, to to go from playing with one of the quickest players I've ever seen to having to readjust, and then obviously you've had a few partners who've come in since then. Igor has been amazing. Josh, who was so unlucky not to score yesterday and worked his nuts off as well. Um, how hard is it for you to reform new partnerships after the one that you had had to had to stop halfway through the season? Um, it's difficult because we we worked hard at an understanding, me and Carlin, um, and to lose that prematurely was was difficult for me. And to lose it prematurely while being suspended was even harder, to be honest, because there was absolutely nothing I could do. At that point, I felt like I'd let my teammates down, and I felt like I'd almost left them in the lurch. But Igor coming in had has been brilliant. He's been really he, honestly since since Bo said about him getting fully fit, and since Igor has been fully fit, he's a completely different animal. And Igor is a very, very, very talented centre forward very talented he can do bits of everything and he does he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net Josh yesterday I, I almost felt a little bit sorry for him because he did so well he did brilliantly honestly everything he did was brilliant just couldn't quite get that goal and I think he needs to know that we appreciate it in the dressing room and he is appreciated because okay he might have had a tough time in front of goal yesterday but he held the ball up he won his physical battles and he got himself in those positions to score. I remember countless games where Carlin got himself in the positions to score and didn't score. And people were saying, oh, it's okay because he scored goals and he'll, he'll come good and he'll put it in the back of the net because he did it two weeks before. And Josh is exactly the same. Josh gets himself in the positions and we create the chances. He's going to score. It will happen. And if he scores the winner at Wembley and we go up, I could not care if he missed a million chances. He's one of my teammates and he's my mate and he, at the moment he's my strike partner. So I back him to the hilt and I hope every single one of our fans back him to the hilt as well. And before I let the, the chaps quiz you about the playoff coming up, um, the, the video on the big screen yesterday uh, where you went to meet Betty, a Chomp fan who a lot of people know. Um, do you feel like you've really sort of bought into the community element here at Charlton? I feel like the, the, the community element here has, has pulled me in, to be honest. Um, everything that's been done has been so close to my heart. It's, it, it's, it's virtually impossible to kind of escape that. And because of that fact, it's, it's been kind of... I'm part of it before I've even, even been, part, been asked to be part of it. Um, so I've really enjoyed this season. I've really enjoyed the, the impact that I've managed to have on the field, off the field, and the appreciation I've had this evening and I have after each game and, and I have generally from Charlton fans has been unbelievable and I, I couldn't have wished for, for better. Chaps. Lau, have you, have you dreamt about that winner at Wembley yet? <laughs> I've not dreamt about it yet. Um, but I will do once we win these next two games. Yeah, and um, just talking about the votes there, obviously you got 52%. I think below that it was very difficult for us to pick a second place. You look at Naby, you look at Josh, Christian Bielik, Dylan Phillips, Joe Aribo. There's a whole host of players there. And I think what that comes down to is the fact that unity and the squad that we've got there. Is it, is it one of the best squads you've been a part of? And does that come through day to day on the training ground? 
this is the best squad I've been a part of. Um, the Wimbledon squad I had that was was prom I was in and we were promoted. That was a very good squad. But this squad has the same togetherness, <clears throat> and this squad has levels of footballing ability that you don't see at this level of football. And I, I promise you, Naby Sar, a centre half who is as good at football as he is, it's not seen at this level. Christian Bielik and Josh Cullen, two of the best holding midfielders I've ever played with, and probably two of the best in this league. Mm. Joe Aribo is a talent I've never seen similar. I've never seen similar to. Uh, yeah. I, uh, honestly, it's I've never seen anyone play like him. I've never seen anyone with his go-go gadget leg that just comes out of nowhere, <laughs> blocks something, drags the ball back when yeah. you think he's lost it. And, and the talent the boy has is, is honestly frightening. You see the young lads here, Albie Morgan yesterday. Oh, mm. my God. The kid, honestly, the kid's, the kid's talent is, is, is it's unbelievable. Mm. It's unbelievable. And it, it's not just that. Anthony Dick still. Oh, my. We've got a right back here that at times is kept club legend... And and I don't what's he is he team captain or club captain club or captain. club captain out of the team? We'll say with Nabby and Pierce. Uh, Nabby keeping Pierce out of the team. Like we honestly, this this group of boys, and I could go through every single one of them and list their attributes and their strengths and their weaknesses as well. But they know their weaknesses and they work on their weaknesses, and that's what makes them good footballers. Is that they do everything they can to take the the small percentages and make them even smaller. And, and that that is the reason this team and this squad is so good. Uh, just two quick ones. First one is, obviously the, the team ethic I think is for everyone to see, but is there one favourite moment of the season so far that you could, that sticks out for you? Or one moment, maybe it was one moment you think we can do this, or was there a favourite goal or a favourite moment? There was a moment that was a real... Honestly, a crap one. And it was a frustrating one. And it was getting past that moment that I thought, do you know what? We're good. We're, we are very good. And it was, it was Akron and away. And we somehow managed to, to draw that game. And it was a real bad one because I lost my head with Carlin completely. Mm. And it was the first time that happened. And I think that was the making of the relationship between me and him. Mm. The fact that I was so angry mm. at him not squaring me the ball yeah. on a few different occasions. Yeah. And I think I learned from that. Mm. And I think he learned even more from that. Mm. And from that point on, we did nothing but look for each other. Mm. And we did nothing but try and set each other up. Mm. And that for me was the making of a real good partnership between him, me and him and a, a real good friendship and do you know what I wish him all the very best mm. I hope to see him pull on an England shirt one day I want to see him score and I, I want to see him do do the things that are improbable mm. and I think I think after that game that Akron to go I don't think I've ever said it was the first moment I ever saw Bose um, angry to put it lightly <laughs> because it was one of those games where we probably weren't at our best but you know, it comes on to but the, uh, the last question, which I've always wanted to ask. Lou said earlier about playing, you know, playing off the cuff sort of thing. Do you enjoy the pantomime villain role at all? So I'm thinking of like Plymouth, even Wimbledon away. Celebrating corners. Celebrating corners, corners yeah. down well, there. We enjoy it. <laughs> but it's, and then we had the theory about the PFA 
player. And I always said, the reason they didn't vote for you is because they can't stand playing against you because you just wind them up all the time. That must be the reason, surely. I think you're right. <laughs> I, honestly, I think you're right. I, I think, I think the, the, the players we play against get so angry and so fed up and so pissed off, if I'm allowed to say that, that, that they just hate me. And the pantomime villain role has been mine for the last four years, to be honest with you. It's been something I've grown into, and it's one of them that, I don't know why, but I've almost taken to it because it takes pressure off of other people. I don't mind the pressure. I mean, let's face it, I've got blonde hair. You can't miss me anywhere. You, you can't. I've grown into the, come on then, give me everything you've got. I don't mind. I'll shoulder it. I'll take it. I'll shine because I know I can. And my teammates will shine because there's no pressure on them now. Nobody's chanting at them. Nobody's calling them every name under the sun. Mm. It's me that's taking it and it's me that's getting it. But I can deal with it. I can see you becoming the next Jose Mourinho as a manager now because he, he likes doing that, doesn't he? Take the no, pressure off his team. he's a <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I don't I'm think that's for me. I don't <laughs> think it's for me. Just, just, just one, one final one. The good thing about playing Doncaster twice now, up at Donny in March, they've got a player called Malik Wiltz. And I remember us, you in the penalty box, and he was warming up. And he was like, you're just a beat <laughs> Lyle Taylor. <laughs> and that was probably one of the favourite moments of the game. But yeah, looking forward that. to it, though. I remember that. Yeah. that right, we've we got to wind it up because uh, Lyle's in, uh, in demand here. But Lyle, uh, well done on your player of the year. There's some excellent players who've won that and you've uh, joined their ranks now as well. So congratulations. And of course... Thank you very much. Every one of us is behind you guys for the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll, uh, we look forward to seeing you play at Wembley. Charlton Live. Right, we're joined now on Charlton Live by Darren Prattley and by <laughs> George uh, George Lapsley. Um, George, I'll start with you. You've uh, you've you've got a gong. You've got the uh, the Young Player of the Year award. Um, a lot of good players have won that over the over the years. You look at the likes of Adamola Lookman, yeah. uh, even Joe Rebo last year. I mean, um, a real honour to win that award. Yeah, real honour. Something I'm very proud of, and probably one of the proudest moments of my career so far and my life. So yeah, I'm. Honoured that I've been voted for it and just thankful that I've got it, yeah. Well, it's a short career so far, yeah. but I mean, uh, we go back to that that first day at Sunderland where, of course, I mean, a lot of the talk of, at the time was that Charlton had quite a, a thin squad yeah. and in a way, a lot of people were saying, George Lapsley coming into the midfield shows that we have a thin squad, but for you, it's a great opportunity Yeah. and you really grasped it. I mean, I remember yeah. that game specifically because I had a Palace fan tweeting me saying oh that George Lapsey you've got in midfield looks quite good so the fact you've won one of them over yeah, yeah. shows you must have played quite well I mean I mean that was a real high pressure situation to come into you but you, you grabbed it with with both hands and you've really proved yourself this season that you're a, a, an important member of this squad and obviously yeah. this this award shows that as well yeah obviously I'm happy to get the individual award but um, it's I saw down to my teammates as well people like Dow I look up to him quite a lot he's a quite a good role model for me and just I don't know, I'm very thankful for everyone around me. Yeah. Tell me about what's it like having someone who's got the experience of Darren Prattley in the... Uh, and Obviously, for starters, you've been through the playoffs as well, so we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to that shortly as well. But someone, someone like Darren Prattley who's been there and done that before, is, is it useful to, to learn off him? And you have to say yes because he's out there. Come <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, on, yeah. Georgie, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, massively. Uh, having someone like that around you, even in the Sunderland game, like going out to it, it tells you just to enjoy it and just like not to worry about it. And he's telling me the other day, like if we get to Wembley, hopefully get to Wembley, like just to enjoy the occasion and stuff like that. It's quite important that 
you just think of that you're, you're still having fun whilst you're doing it and of course you do all this as well whilst being a Charlton supporter which um, is the dream everyone sat at this table would love to be in yeah. your position I mean does that make it extra special to do it at a club like this yeah I mean it's becoming it's becoming not less surreal but like at like the start of the season it was like completely like mind blowing to me like walking out to like the red red robin and stuff so I'm slowly like grasping it and I've got to grasp it as I get more like play more games I've got to become more level headed and I don't know like honestly I'm just grateful to win the award <laughs> Darren of course uh, as, as I mentioned there I mean you've, you've been through the playoffs with Swansea and you scored one of the greatest goals the playoffs has ever seen in that was it Forrest that game was yeah, se- yeah. yeah semi-final yeah and um, so, so with what's coming up I mean you've been there and done that so you know the pressure that all, all of the squad are about to go through I guess yeah, yeah. first and foremost uh, congratulate George on his award um, I come into the club um, this season and to be fair, he stood out from day one. Uh, we've got a good, very good young players here. Uh, George, Albie, Taylor, uh, young Taylor Malone, I thought was very good. One thing with George is um, he gives his all. Um, it may not be technically as good as your Albies and your, your Taylors and all these players, but he gives... No, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. And... Uh, me personally as a player I'm not technically as good as some of the other midfielders but I see a side of him that I see in myself he works hard he wants to do well down to earth Charlton fan he's got good family behind him he's got a girlfriend slash fiance soon that follows him all around the country it follows him all around the country I think he's going to have a he's going he's to have a big career um, you won't find anyone else that works as hard as George. George played right back the other day against Gillingham. And uh, the first thing he did is went to the analysis and asked him how to defend crosses from a right back position. So that just shows his dedication. Talking about the, the playoffs, um, I said to George and the other boys, you need to grasp it, enjoy it. Uh, and they've worked hard. They've been a bit unlucky that we've had um, three or four other good teams in the league. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, the boys from my experience you'll go and enjoy it take it in it's a normal game and hopefully we can get through it now just, um, just before Nathan jumps in with a question we, we were, well, during the show this evening we've been talking about our favourite goals of this season um, your goal at Shrewsbury certainly was up there uh, <laughs> I mean, talk us through that one again the, because the, ta- the tackle <laughs> yeah the, the, the tackle that ended up in the top I mean that was a great goal I mean, yeah. for, for a player who of course has had to bide his time and yeah. at that stage of your career where you're coming out to, to have moments like that still it must be so pleasing yeah, yeah no obviously uh, any goal is good um, but no it was a good strike I think uh, Lowell left it and it managed to go in the top corner um, <laughs> like you said biding with time and stuff like that I'm, I, people look at football I'm 34 I'm the oldest member in the squad um, if you've seen me in training around the place you wouldn't think I was the oldest player in the squad I'm still <laughs> full of energy uh, I'm up there with the stats in running and stuff like that uh, this season I haven't really played as much as I would like to have but um, being an older experienced player um, I know things can change in football uh, I've learned a lot this season and my main thing is to get help the club get promoted to the championship. We all want to play at that level. And if I um, can help the young boys in any way um, to achieve their dream and get to that level, then uh, I, I'm happy. Sorry, Dale. Yeah, obviously we touched on it earlier, like George was saying, that you're like quite a role model. When you look at the likes of Albie Morgan, yeah. um, we've not really had that much success at, well, for years at Wembley. If, if you can, if we can wish, and you're sitting in that, you know the dressing rooms at Wembley what would you be saying to the likes of George and Albie and all the other other young young players around and trying to play the 
the occasion, not yeah, to play the occasion, yeah, play the every, game. Everyone says it, don't, uh, well, play the game, not the occasion, but I just tell them to enjoy it. Um, try and not think, think of it as a, as a normal game. I think the team that can relax and the team that relaxes and uh, don't put too much pressure on themselves is the team that normally comes out and plays a normal game and goes up. I think when you build it up too much, I think sometimes it's a good. We'll have to get to Wembley first and foremost. So no, I'm not going to disrespect Doncaster and think that we're in the final because we're not. We have to get past them. But if we do, you go there the day before. I think you go and have a look at the pitch. You take all your pictures and all that, and then you get focused for on the on the day. Um, it can change your life. You know, going to the championship, you're one step away from the Premier League. You never know what's going to happen. Whether the chairman goes out and sells a club and invests, you, you, you don't know. You're going to be playing at a higher level, more exposure, and um, I'd say just yeah, enjoy it and go out and grasp it. The chaps, it's uh, been an honour to have you on uh, Charlton Live. Thanks for, for joining us. And Sorry for the long answer. Thank you. Uh, we're all really <laughs> behind you guys for, for next weekend as well, so good luck. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Charlton Live. Right, we're now joined by Liz Jupi, the Women's Player of the Year here on Charlton Live. Uh, Liz, congratulations for your award. Um, I was going to say, Thank your you. first season back at the club, obviously you, you re-signed from Aston Villa. Um, really pleased to win the award, I imagine. Yeah, really pleased, of course. Like you said, it's my first season back. I grew up playing in Charlton, so it means a lot to me to win this award. And of course, um, Stato Steve there just said, was it 13, 14 goals this season? Yeah. Uh, top scorer at the club. Um, we, we, I was saying to, to Kim when we were speaking to her a, moment, a few moments ago, if someone had told me at the start of the season that Kit Graham wouldn't be the top scorer at the club, I, I, I was shocked. So to outscore her in, in what has been a, a very successful season, I guess you could have asked for it to have gone much better this year. Yeah, 100%. I was looking forward to playing with Kit Graham. I know she's an amazing goal scorer, so... I learn a lot from her, like we learn a lot from each other, so it's amazing to kind of have that competition at training and on the pitch, but we just try and, we just want to win the games, if the goals happen, they happen. So um, the first season for, for Charlton at the higher level in, in the championship, I mean, we all, we all went to the, the first game against Aston Villa as well, with absolutely no idea what to expect, uh, it was a 2-0 win uh, that day, and, and you've never really looked back, so considering you had that sort of unknown quantity about yourselves I mean did, did you really expect what, what came this year a, a, a title challenge almost I think um, looking into it from the outside I think people didn't expect us like you said we've just been promoted into this league but I knew what players there were at Charlton already and what players have been brought in and from training I knew that something special was going to happen and I think we proved that I think we score a lot of goals we play very good attacking football and we showed that this season so and what do you think the next step is for, for the women's team? Um, obviously, with the move to the Oakwood this year as well, bigger crowds, yeah. more people getting interested. And, you know, could still finish third, but if not a top four finish in, yeah. in the championship, it's nothing to be sniffed at. Man United and Spurs aren't going to be in that division next year. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be wide open, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it'll, it'll definitely be competitive again next season. But, uh, like you said, I think we're just going to push for top two again, uh, if not win it, because we were so close to winning it this year, so close to coming top two. So, um, yeah, really gutted that we didn't, but we've proved that we are capable. So Now, if you had, if you had to pick a moment of the season, I think mine personally would have been the, the home derby win against Crystal Palace. Obviously, you got the first goal and then Charlie got the debatable second goal, but yeah. it was given in the end. Um, yeah. What has what's been your favourite game this season, would you say? Um, I think that game was massive. Like you say, we won it in the last seconds. And it was and offside the celebration. as well. Yeah, well, whatever, but it was, yeah. We loved it. I know, exactly. But it was amazing. But I think after that, um, I think the Tottenham game, even though we lost that first half, to score, we proved ourselves what we could do. I don't think they had anything on us. Uh, we scored two amazing goals um, and then just obviously let it slip by the end. But we've had amazing moments all season. 
um, some really good goals. The, the Millwall 8-0 win, I think that was a massive one for us as well. That's when we could prove that we could score loads of goals. You got four. You, you proved yourself you oh, could yeah. score loads of goals. And, and now I'm going to say this now, Charlton Live are taking some of the credit for your form this season because you came on our radio show. <laughs> uh, so just uh, not long before that, and you said, oh, yeah. you know what, I don't think I've scored quite enough goals this season. I think you scored four goals the next game and you've never looked back since then. Yeah. So I think we can take credit for your research. Oh, no, um, yeah, I appreciate your help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll take the award yeah. back with us. No, no, of course. Like, I just want to, like, I realise that you need, we need to score goals to win. So when the opportunity is there, we've got to take our chances. Yeah, and we've done that. Congratulations on your award. Um, we're all looking forward to seeing you again next year and a thank promotion you. push again. Oh, thank you. Thank Thanks you so much. much. Appreciate yeah. it. Charlton Live. We're now joined on Charlton Live by the Charlton manager, Lee Bowyer. Um, Lee, first of all, as it is the Player of the Year dinner, we should have a special mention for, of course, Lyle Taylor, the, the Player of the Year for this season. Um, it's one of those seasons where, again, there could have been so many choices because there's so many players who have uh, performed well, but Lyle stood out for the supporters this year, and I guess having watched him all season, you can see why. Yeah, goals. <laughs> Just pure goals. That, that, that's, that's what wins your prizes. Um, you, you, you can't deny that. And uh, but, but for me, Lyle, Lyle deserves it. You know, like he, what he's done and what he's brought to this side it's been exceptional from, from start to finish and we had to do some extra work with him like and, and, and to make him better and he's improved and uh, yeah I'm, I'm delighted that was the most important person that I had to sign in, in the summer like I said earlier was a striker because if you don't score goals you don't win games and uh, Lowell's definitely not disappointed there was well publicised as well that he had the opportunity to go to Sunderland in the summer and we spoke to him after the game yesterday and he was asked what his reason was for coming for Charlton and, and he singled out yourself and is, is it nice to hear players saying stuff like that do you feel like with your experience that you've had playing in Champions League semi-finals that you are a good draw for players to come and learn from yeah I've, I, like obviously meeting Lowell we, we met him in the summer and and he said yeah I'm going to come because of myself so yes it's nice to hear but then my job is, is then to improve him and to make him better because at the end of the day, it's his career. So, um, yes, it's nice to hear that, but I like to think that he, he, he's made the right decision because now, what's he on now, 21 goals or 24 goals and he's improved. So, for me, he's more of an all-round striker now. I don't think he was when he first came, but I've, I've had this discussion with him and said you're, you're as, a, as an asset for himself he's more of an all-round striker and, and he's improved and, and that's my job so for me I think he did make the right decision coming in. It's been another incredible season uh, watching Charlton this year um, we look back to that that opening game at Sunderland where I mean fans I know you weren't but fans were worried they were looking at the fact that we didn't have the enough substitutes they were looking at what felt like a thin squad at the time but you never wavered in your positivity and you never wavered in the fact that we were going to be looking to try and push for that top two what was it that you were so um, why were you so positive beforehand when fans perhaps were maybe wondering about the size of the squad was it was it you knew that you had the right qualities in there and you knew you'd be able to build it by the end of that August yeah because obviously I see what we was doing pre-season I, I see where we needed to improve and I knew the type of players that 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 we needed to bring in and I knew that I was speaking to Josh Cullen so I knew that was a possibility I knew what he would bring to the side Christian Billick obviously Steve Gallon worked hard to bring him into the club 
I think all our additions have been very, very good. And with a side, it's like building a puzzle. And we only needed a few pieces to improve us. And thankfully, we got them and look what we've done. And I feel like I could talk to you for hours about all the different things that have happened this season. But let's jump forward to where we are now. I spoke to you this time last season. We were going into the playoffs and we're there again. Um, you've got that experience now. I mean, do, do you feel like you're, you're, you're better suited to the playoffs this year? I mean, I think it's quite clear to us watching that we're a better team this year as well. So do you, do you feel more confident going into them this year? Yeah, because I think now we're the full package. I think the way we win the ball back, the way we defend, uh, athleticism in the middle of the park, and we've got people that score goals. So we have everything for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more confident than I was last season because last season I didn't think we'd done bad. At home, we should have been 2-3 up in the first 15 minutes, but we just didn't have anyone to score the goals. We missed too many chances, and we don't have that now. We have Lowe, and we've got other people to score. And Joe Rebo's on the scoring run, you know, like he's, he's scoring goals now. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've got people that can score from all over the pitch. And now, before I let the others jump in with a few questions of themselves, I don't think the fans will forgive me unless I give you your five-minute update on your contract. I mean, players of uh, fans of, of course, Tony Hard is the one who has to ask you every week because he's there on Thursdays. But I mean, fan, fans are curious. Fans are maybe even worried about what will happen next season. Obviously, they're enjoying the ride and they're enjoying the playoffs that are coming up. But I mean, has there been any progress since Thursday? No, nothing's happened changed since Thursday. Obviously weekend and, and my concentrations on the game and, and that will never change so but the contract thing it, it, we will sort it out I'm, I'm sure we'll sort it out is we're not a million miles away so it's it's gonna happen but for me the most important thing is just concentrating and focusing on this now that's the least of my worries like I honestly mean that that's the least of my worries I, I believe we're gonna we're come to the to, to sort something out but promotion is just that, that's all I can think about now I was going to say in my in my reporting job, I feel like I'm I worry about it more than you do, and yeah. I think, and it shows on the pitch as well because you don't see players there worrying about what's going to happen in six weeks' time. You see players there worrying about getting to Wembley in in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, that, that's, but you, you can only control what's happening now. We can't control what's going to happen next week or the week after. And so the, I don't. I just focus on like here and now. So now our next focus is obviously on Sunday. That's it. So now it'll be like building up to that. Can't control, like start thinking about the Friday after because you have to concentrate on that first. So I, I try to stay quite level-headed and, and just tackle each problem as it comes. Chaps? Yeah, Lee, um, we've talked a lot during the year about the things that you can't really measure. So the connection between the fans and the players and the club. And I feel you've been a big part of that, of bringing all of that together. Does, does that come through to the players on the pitch and does that come through to you on match days? Do you really feel that connection now that perhaps even last year you didn't feel yeah um, I thought it improved quickly last season um, because of the run we went on but this season more so it, it's just grown and grown I, I, I just feel the fans understand now how important they are and that was the most important thing for me that they realize that it's not just like me and my staff and the players that go on this journey it's the football club and the fans are a massive part of the football club so I'm so happy to see everyone so happy because the place has changed so much for the good mm. so 
at, at times it does, my enemy, when people try and bring negativity into into the camp now because there is none. Like for me, it, it's all good. It's all good. We're moving in the right direction. Yeah, we finished third, and we've we ain't. What, what have we lost? One game, two games this year. Two games this year. Two games this year. We've lost two games at home all season in a normal season. And if you look at them two games, Peterborough, which was a penalty, which was never a penalty in injury time, and, and then Coventry. And, and we battered them for 80 minutes, and even their manager said, I can't believe we've just won that game. But they're the only two that we've lost all season here. So, it, for me, it's all good. And, and the fans are a massive part of that. And I, and I said that yesterday after the game. And, and the players do recognise it, and, and they do appreciate it, because they realise that when they're singing, and, and they do give them that bit more. So... Uh, Lee, you was talking about obviously coaching Lyle and improving him as a player. I mean, a lot of us obviously don't see your day-to-day -day work with the younger players, with George winning his award and Albie and Anthony. How rewarding is it seeing how far they've come from that pre-season to where they are now? As a coach, how does it make you feel to, to see him progress so well? Well, Pratt, that's my job, you know. Like, I have to improve them and, and all I'm doing is passing on my knowledge obviously for the midfielders like Albie and George and Joe Rebo you can throw him in there yeah. like they, they've all improved so much but I, I was a midfielder so obviously my knowledge of the game in, in the middle of the park I'm passing on to them and, and if they take it because I can't make them take the, the knowledge that I'm giving them mm. but if they choose to then they're going to improve because I, I, I had a long career and I played under some unbelievable managers and, and, and with some great players and I learnt from all of them so my knowledge I'm playing, passing on and, and George especially George like he, he's like a sponge he's like a little three year old kid that just, just <laughs> taking everything in and, and that shows like you see him every day you think wow like he's getting better and he's getting better and so because he has the energy and he has the heart so now improving on the football side of things as well he still needs to learn so does Joe so does Albie they still all need to learn but they're improving and, and they're doing the right things yeah Lee in terms of how the league finished up are you sort of happy with, with the Doncaster game with the home advantage or do you think we'd, we've sort of got enough that wherever we finished in that top six we would give anybody a game or are you more confident with this route to the final or do you think that we've, we, everyone would be fearing us in that top six yeah I think everybody well, I don't think anybody would want to play us at the moment. Um, I think that's fair to say. Because we, we are in a good place. And, and we're playing really well. But I think they're all good sides. You, you can't deny it. That every team's got strengths and weaknesses. And, and that's, that's including us. So, you could say, oh, because they finished sixth. And there was a big gap. But they're still a good side. They've got Marquis, good good striker. Can hurt you on a day. You could have a sending off in the first minute and it just completely changes everything. So, we, you can't tell, you know, like... No. But, over two legs, I think that we would be anybody in the league. Not not just who we might play, anybody in the league. Yeah. I think over two legs... Are, are, but that's me. I'm, I'm very positive and, and because I see the, the, the lads, what they do every day and, and how good they are. So, but that's the way I am. And Lee, is there anything you can take from the experience last year against Shrewsbury going into these playoffs? No, I don't, I don't think you can because it's, it's how they, the players handle it on, on the day, on each day. And my job will be just to try and make it like a normal game the, the, the best I can. Because emotions will, will run high and, and 
So I've got to just make sure that I can try and keep them level-headed and, and, and that they don't get too involved in, in the occasion. And is that what this week will be? Just a normal week as yeah. if it was another league game? Yeah, yeah. So because we're playing Sunday, then they're going to be off tomorrow. So then we'll have like a, a normal full week build-up. Train Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, train Friday, Saturday travel. So it's going to be like a normal week. But you, then you need a bit of luck regarding injuries and stuff. Mm. So these are the things we can't control, unfortunately. We're going to let you go. So uh, thank you for joining us in Charlton Live. Normally when I speak to you, I've got my BBC impartiality hat on. Tonight I'm a Charlton fan, so all the best, <laughs> all the best for the next week. Thank you. Thank okay. you very much. Charlton Live. Right, so there we have it, a, uh, another long list of players who've come over to speak to us here at the Player of the Year dinner. We're coming to the end of the show now. Uh, I really hope you've enjoyed it. I dare say I won't have got all the interviews even into this show, so we'll probably have a few more exclusives for Thursday as well. We'll be back on Thursday with a big match preview, a big match playoff preview as well, which I'm really looking forward to. Chaps, um, it's been a pleasure to be in your company this evening. Thanks to, to Lewis Cat for being here. No worries, Louis. Cheers and, for having me. And uh, look forward to seeing you up in Doncaster, of yeah, course. Yeah, Donny. Nathan Muller. Much pleasure. love. Yeah, uh, pleasure yeah. as always. And, uh, me and you, Lou. And, and all three of us, four of us. How many yeah. are here? Tom Wallin already got his coat on. He can't <laughs> wait <laughs> to get out of the door. No, I've had enough. Line I've had enough. See you later. Line of duty. Yeah. The whole season with us. So yeah. Ready to go. I'm going so. hunting with that bloke over there. <laughs> hey, Johnny, Johnny Williams' brother. Yeah, right. So it's, uh, it's, uh, I hope you've enjoyed our Player of the Year special. We'll be back here uh, on Charlton Live on Thursday evening with a big match preview. And I said this at the end of last year's Player of the Year dinner. <laughs> I'm going to say at the end of this year's oh, no. one as well. This time in two weeks' time, lads. We could be going to Wembley! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.